yeah i don't i don't think they're anything that can really top aliens uh <laughs> aside from like half the earth melting and the yeah, other exactly. half like, you know and then uh, the other half denying that it, the other half is uh, <laughs> that's true is melting that's correct that's exactly what, that's exactly what would happen welcome to sincast presented by cinema sins Everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSense, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSense, Jeremy Scott. All right, all right. Yeah, <laughs> doing his Matthew McConaughey. He's dressed up as Matthew McConaughey today from the Newton Boys and uh, <laughs> from Larger Than Life. Yeah, somebody, by the way, somebody sent me a, a video of uh, Matthew McConaughey doing noises like it was a supercut oh nice <laughs> and uh and it's like a 10 minute long fucking video <laughs> and uh, just all the stuff he's obviously wolf of wall street's in there and all that but uh I, there was that larger than life showed up a couple of times and i was like damn what I, was larger than life that's the bill murray elephant movie yeah oh yeah that, it? yeah oh, that wow. was he it was right after days and confused My, matthew mcconaughey was like real hot shit mm and uh so it started getting cast in a whole bunch of stuff obviously like comedies were like a, a natural thing after days of confused but he's like some real crazy fucking truck driver guy or whatever and he's i mean it's the most one of the most manic matthew mcconaughey performances you'll ever see in a terrible movie it's a bad movie <laughs> yeah. it's bad but yeah that's uh yeah that was a long uh super cut it's <laughs> <laughs> like just a but even even the like the most like basic of grunts and stuff are in there uh but uh all that to say also with us today barrett share <laughs> oh. <laughs> hello from music video sims um yeah today we're gonna be talking about matthew mcconaughey for two hours that's yeah. right man i could yeah i could McConaughey. he's had a he's had a weird weird career man mm -hmm. i actually thought of the other day a good way for us to you know one of the things we've liked mo most about this uh road trip segment is how it has allowed us to talk about movies we wouldn't ordinarily talk about mm -hmm. i think another way to do that would be to do episodes where we break down a career where we take somebody like mcconaughey mm -hmm who before the episode doing research we didn't know was in larger than life <laughs> and we find those gems yeah. like because when the fuck are we ever going to talk about larger than life yeah <laughs> anyway yeah, exactly but today we're actually doing a mailbag episode yeah pod. question question i got something to say I'm listening. Really, like, uh, it's funny. Barrett sends the, the questions today, and we had had seven or eight of these already answered, ready to go for, like, episodes that happened in, I don't know, December. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so now we're ready to go, and maybe those questions will get answered. Yeah. You don't know. <laughs> Is there air? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we're doing a mailbag today. We're going to answer some fucking questions. Let's go. Oh, I can't wait. I love the question segment and we just haven't had time recently so let's let's go baby all right first one is what is your favorite movie that was eventually made into a stage musical by the same token what's a, your favorite stage musical that was later adapted for the screen this person's answer to the first question is disney's aladdin uh answer to the second question is jesus christ superstar have you ever seen jesus christ superstar I've seen yes, but the movie. I don't think I've seen the movie, and I don't actually think I've actually been to a live play. I've just seen 
Uh, okay. On TV, Jesus yeah. Christ Superstar. That's a trippy ass fucking movie, mm-hmm. man. And I also saw the Mr. Show parody of Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, yeah. Now, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. no, I definitely saw that. So, what do we think? Stage um, musicals. Okay, so I took this question to mean that I maybe I've seen the movie and it became a musical later, mm-hmm. and maybe I saw it, maybe I didn't. Um, and the same goes for the musical. If I saw the musical, maybe I saw the movie later. I don't know. Uh, I don't think you have to see both. And we live in Nashville where we don't get a chance to see a lot of these big no productions. Yeah. They do come to our low, you know, they come to Nashville every once in a while. If they're huge, like your book of Mormon will come here every mm-hmm. once in a while. But, um, there is one movie that I've seen both uh, the stage and the uh, the, the the original movie. The producers, Mel Brooks, oh, uh, yeah. uh, first producers, not the one that they then turned into a movie musical <laughs> afterwards. Well, although I have seen that too, but my favorite would be the producers. the The first producers is one of the best movies, one of the best comedies ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once they they made it into a musical. It did come here to Nashville, and I saw it with Alan Ruck playing the wow. uh, Matthew Broderick role, which wow. was very ironic. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I can't remember who played the Nathan Lane role, but it was uh, it was uh, also a very good musical that I saw as well. So I that that would be my top for sure as far as movie turned into musical. Of course, this is one of those rare ones movie turned into a musical turned into a movie as well yeah, yeah that's weird that and i actually weird. because I've, i haven't seen the producers the nathan lane matthew broderick either play or the movie mm-hmm. uh but i can't imagine how nathan lane compares to zero mostel though yeah um, I, I, well okay i i agree mm-hmm. um but nathan lane is definitely in that same he, I don't know if he's if you want to say he plays it differently. Like now, I'm basing this on the movie. I never saw him in right. the the stage, but Nathan Lane can play a real card. I mean, like just like a like a you know, a, I guess a morally ambiguous or morally reprehensible person, yeah, yeah. and he does it very well. Okay, uh, it's not the same as how Zero Mostel does it. Uh, it's they're they're a little bit different, but it's the same character, and they're both wonderful. I yeah, think. I wouldn't I wouldn't compare. I guess really. it's probably the same thing with Matthew Broderick and, and Gene Wilder, two very very different yes, actors. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, character. Gene Wilder. That's one of the rare movies where he plays straight man. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, even though he has some manic moments and everything, he's playing the straight man in that, and and I can see. You know some parallels between the Gene Wilder he is usually the guy who's the funny guy, but yeah, he's definitely yeah. It's it's funny, but it is like a lot more straight laced than yeah. Than and do you want me to answer the second half of this question? Yeah, do it, baby. Uh, I, I went. There's there's only a very few actual musicals I've been to. Went to Book of, Book of Mormon. I think they're filming that. I don't think they've made the movie. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Uh, I've heard rumblings. God, now, that'd be awesome. Now, I don't know if they'll if that's in production or if that's just something. Hey, we're going to do it at some point. Whatever. The very few musicals that I have seen, I've seen Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen. Um, I've seen the book, and I've seen Rent. I've seen Rent. I saw that with Drew Lachey as the main guy. (laughs) (laughs) So he was in Drew. Was it Nick Lachey was in Ninety Eight Degrees? Yeah. Yeah. Was Was Drew also in Ninety Eight Degrees? I don't remember. Wasn't Lachey Nick Lachey the one that was married to Jessica Simpson? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, this was uh, Drew Lachey. Yeah. What a draw. (laughs) Exactly. Rent was playing uh, co-starring Tootie from Facts of Life. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) 
it uh, it was it was very it was very well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but um, what'd you think of the Rent movie? That's what I'm about to get at. Uh-huh. There's very few movies off of this list that are. I mean, Phantom of the Opera is an okay movie. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, now, I don't know about Gerard Butler, but of course, Emmy Rossum. But is this is also a magical. Yeah, she is. The uh, this is also another though. By the way, Phantom of the Opera was a way old movie with Lon Chaney, mm-hmm. and it was not a musical until late, much later. So I've seen that too. I've seen the old version of that and then, uh, uh, whatever. The movie is fine. It's one of the most beautifully shot movies you'll ever see. It is. Um, the rent movie, I don't remember liking too much. Of course, oh, really? It was also like the 2005 year. And, yeah, uh, I don't know, man. I think it's because they retained, I think, a lot of the, the original cast members like Anthony Rapp mm-hmm. and Adina Menzel. Yeah, it was pretty much everybody except for a couple of roles. Yeah, Rosario Dawson is in the movie. Yeah, version. Rosario Dawson was a new, was an addition. Mm. And, uh, was Tracy Toms in the original? I think Tracy Toms might have been an addition as well. But the, they're it's okay good. movies. Yeah, they're yeah. okay movies. I don't, I would never, I've never been like, oh, blown away by those. I had to kind of reach deep and just say West Side Story, maybe. Hey, can't go wrong with that. Yeah, West Side Story, I've seen the movie, and then, you know, and then, I mean, I saw the musical, I've seen the movie, and they're both great. Mm-hmm. I actually was supposed to be in the play at one point. Really? Yeah, in high school. Nice. I going to play the uh, Lieutenant Shrank. I was going to play supposed the Supposed to be? What, what happened? Uh, our drama teacher got sick. And, uh, I was hoping it was going to be a much more salacious story. No, it would be awesome, right? <laughs> it's like, uh, well, there's charges pending and I, I can't, uh, can't really discuss it. I may or it. may not have a child. Yeah. I can't, dis- around that time. can't discuss it. And, uh, yeah. Um, and that child turned into, um, but, uh, yeah, that's where I'm going to go with that. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not like a connoisseur of West Side Story or anything. It's not like, uh, went and saw the musical and i've seen the movie and i know so much about it i mean i know the story and everything but it's not that's probably the best example man i that has always been one of my favorite musicals west side story and i hadn't seen it in a while and when my wife and i were first married i was like i'm gonna show you this movie you're gonna love this movie and all I remember thinking from that viewing was how fucking long that movie. It's yeah, so long. it's a long ass movie. <laughs> I had not remembered that from my childhood. I just remembered the songs, and the songs are fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. I have two pieces of musical movie related news that I've read recently that this seems like the appropriate time to bring up. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is the announcement of the upcoming movie version of Cats. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah, with Taylor Swift. Yep, and James Corden. Mm-hmm. And I already want to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is apparently before. The original cast of Hamilton disbanded and started bringing in new cast members. They filmed a performance. And Hollywood studios are currently bidding over the rights to take that filmed stage performance, add nothing to it, and put it in theaters. I'm down. And the rumor is that the asking price is $50 million. Wow. (laughs) What a fucking behemoth this show has become. No kidding, man uh dicer has tweeted that he just he's in chicago or was recently and saw hamilton in chicago mm. it's one of the few official places that you can see the official show and he made it sound like it was like a life-changing experience that's awesome you've seen it no i mean it, it's amazing that in this day and age there's always like out of nowhere like a play that just captured like wicked was that thing mm-hmm. rent was that thing mm-hmm. uh that'll just capture the the public's consciousness for a while it's very cool to see like 
stuff from the stage still doing that. Well, yeah, and I saw somebody tweet yesterday, like, in the in these times when all the news is so dark, like, the fact that Hamilton still sells out every show, that gives me hope. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I was like, you know what? I get it. Yeah. Um, so I have not uh, seen Hamilton, but, uh, but those are apparently, that's going to be coming to a theater near you. Have you seen Cats? Um, no. Yeah. Well, have you seen Cats? No. The play sucks. The yeah, play sucks. I've heard it's not good. So I don't want to see a, a movie version of it because it already sucks. Didn't, well, it didn't didn't Cats have the record for a while yeah. there of being on Broadway for the longest time? Yeah. Does it still? It might. Yeah. It, it didn't. Cats sort of became like that Vegas show, right? Like it really like, did. Like if you go to New York, really, you got to see Cats. Yeah. Nobody really wanted to. Like it wasn't a you never heard great things about it but it was always there and it was something to do well and it's probably the kind of thing where if you were to go to new york you can't get tickets for wicked at that time because it's too hot of a ticket mm -hmm. but you can get tickets for cats yeah so number one is phantom of the opera <laughs> oh, okay. uh twelve thousand six hundred ninety four performances chicago uh is at nine thousand the Lion King at eight eighty six hundred, and then Cats. At yeah, 74. see now that Cats record was like a, a long time ago. Then. Yeah, because it clo it formally closed in two thousand, yeah. September tenth, two thousand. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I I interpreted the question a lot more strictly than Chris did, and I wish I'd gone with his interpretation, uh, because it leaves me unable to really answer it. Um. So I wrote down the only stage musicals I've ever seen in my entire life are Book of Mormon, Fiddler on the Roof, The Mikado, and my nephew's production of The Little Mermaid. Nice. Mm -hmm. Um, so I can't really answer the favorite stage musical turned into a movie because none of the ones I've seen on the stage have been turned into a movie. Um, and then for the other one, I haven't really seen the stage musicals. I've only seen the movies. <laughs> so I ended up just boiling it down to Sound of Music or West Side Story. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think Sound of Music would probably win that for me uh, because it's not three and a half hours long. I was in my high school's production of uh, The Sound of Music. Were you? I was. Uh, I had five seconds of stage time. Were you the? I was in the festival trio. <laughs> oh, nice! The festival trio. What are those? Like people who go on stage at the end before the yeah, 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 okay. exactly. So nice. Anyway, good work. But okay. that's a great movie. Uh, okay, mine's a little bit weird because uh, I did see Spam a lot mm. on Broadway when uh, I think the time that we went up to to visit you. Chris. Yeah, it was in. Uh, I think it was in. Well, no, it was actually full, full, fully going on at the time. I remember going to New York uh let's see 2005 and they were in previews during that time couldn't get tickets then either mm. but by yeah by the time i moved out there it was in it, full force and i think yeah you had to have seen it around that man time, right? that is the funniest play that i've ever seen by far i've heard that now this is based on uh monty python the holy grail uh, in fact, it says it's lovingly ripped from ripped off from the original, mm -hmm. but it also has some elements of Life of Brian and uh, Meaning of Life. It's got like always look on the bright side of life and stuff like that. Uh, it is fucking hilarious. The only time that I've laughed harder in the seats uh, was when I saw the South Park movie mm -hmm. in uh, in the auditorium. So it's really really funny. I saw it on Broadway and then I saw it later on. Did when you it came see? Here. Was David Hyde Price in it when you saw no, it? No, it was the. Uh, the original cast was like Tim Curry, Hank Azaria, um, David Hyde Pierce, and, and people like that. I saw some very good performers. I think I remember one or two of them, uh, or, or I noticed, or I knew who they were, but I don't remember who they were. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, that's based on Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which is one of the funniest movies ever made. Mm -hmm. um, and for the reverse of musical to movie, I got to go with Grease, because I've seen both of them. 
And um, the stage version is just never going to have that feel of the movie mm-hmm. because the movie has such a great scope and, mm-hmm. you know, that you can pan in on characters. You've even got like the uh, the split screen of, of Sandy and Danny. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got to say uh, Grease is my Grease is thing. the word. Yeah. So good. I love that movie mm-hmm. so much. <laughs> All right. Next question. What's the shittiest movie you've ever seen in terms of ratings on IMDb? This is, oh, we're, wow. we're probably the wrong people to ask for this, but that's okay. Uh, me and my friend once watched a movie called Spiders 3D from 2013, and it has a 3.4 on IMDb. Now, we're about to crush that. Yeah. Why, now, why would we be the wrong people to ask this question? Because we watch shitty movies for sinning purposes. Yeah, but I mean, okay. And we watch a lot of movies. Okay. I, 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 I just thought that, I mean, I don't know what makes it unique about us that we wouldn't have seen some of these movies for example would you ever watch birdemic if not for sending purposes well, i did yeah he did he saw oh it. you watched it before <laughs> saw it at belcourt oh was it one of those midnight shows yeah in fact i yeah it was a midnight show uh and it was being touted as one of those movies that's as bad as the room so i was like gotta see that <laughs> Uh, in fact, I think I've seen every movie that I listed that, and it wasn't for sin purposes, except for Dragon Ball Evolution. That's the only one that I saw strictly for sin's purposes. But every one of these movies I'm about to rattle off, I saw them before that. Nice. And some we haven't sent. Mm. Um, so, so yes, Birdemic, I've seen that. That's one of the, that's like in the like bottom 10 somewhere, sixth, seventh, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Uh, and and it is I, I still don't understand people who think that shit's on purpose Mm-mm. no like it's there's got to be there's got to be something in all of our brain makeup that that you know there's some people who just don't get that that oh that's so bad it has to be on purpose yep. no no it doesn't just, it's just that bad if yeah um birdemic is bad house of the dead now you'll find that ua bowl is uh <laughs> is a is a mainstay in this bottom 20 30 the imdb i watched house of the dead i was a a thursday night projectionist fucking thing that i watched (laughs) oh it's atrocious and i remember having to come home and i was like i'm gonna write a review for this shit and i wrote a review for it and i was like god and then and then something happened to the review it was like late at night i I wrote like it was in the morning or whatever i wrote it i published it and it was gone holy shit i had to had to redo it and everything oh, i had written this really funny ass review because house of the dead is awful it's bad is um, that paris hilton and no she nah, was house of wax this is kelly Rowland was in this right i don't even i don't know I if don't anybody's think, in I, the only the person that i remember being a name in this was there was jurgen proc now and there was clint howard and there might be there might be a couple of people who became something later that i just don't remember but uh, I'm not seeing anybody on here that. <laughs> but Jurgen Prochnow and Clint Howard are the biggest names I think wow. in the movie. Um, then the, I surprise. I'm surprised people cared enough to rate it. Son of the Mask is on here too. <laughs> the Jamie Kennedy horrible oh, movie. Oh, uh, I did see that shit. Then I went further and I saw that the epic movie. You'll see that Jason Freeberg and Eric Seltzer make that list a lot epic movies one of the worst uh alone in the dark another uwa bowl movie um and then Gigli, which i don't this is I, this is mob mentality mm-hmm. Gigli is a bad movie mm-hmm. but it ain't it ain't alone in the dark fucking epic movie bad this is one of those things where because everybody remembers when that movie came out it was already being said that it was one of the worst movies ever and it had like a week it had a week in theaters and it was gone they sony pulled it 
the that Thursday. I said, all right, well, I guess well then we tried, you know. Um, but Gili's on there, which I don't agree with. Uh, then Dragon Ball Evolution, and then Date Movie, which I remember writing a review for, and I put a picture of a garbage dump <laughs> on it instead of an actual <laughs> screenshot. Um, Date Movie is awful, and then uh, Troll Two, and uh, yeah, Troll Two is ob- obviously horrible, and then Blood Rain, another Ball movie mm. starring Christiana Loken of oh. Terminator Three fame. Man, nice. she was going to be a thing for a hot minute. She, yeah, she was. She Where'd went, she go? I don't know. Well, she made a new Ebola movie, I guess. Yeah. I wrote down House of the Dead. That's the only one I've seen anywhere near the this list. Uh, it's a 2.0. Mm. Uh, I think it probably deserves less than that. Now, this is based on the, the arcade game, right? Yep. Yeah. And Sega. See, I was flipping channels the other day, and I, I don't remember the name of it. I saw this 2005 movie, and it had Ed Burns in it. So I clicked over, and I swear to God, like, you'll look this up in show notes and go find a YouTube clip. It had birdemic type bad effects they were fighting some kind of t-rex and they were all in like space uniforms i'm like i was legitimately going ed burns sent naked selfies to someone and they're blackmailing him to be in this movie and i looked it up and he's got legit stuff on top and before this he just somehow made this like cgi shit fest dinosaur knockoff space movie in the middle so i looked that up on imdb certain that was going to be and it's like a three point something on i was like well is i it, can't use that is it a sound of thunder <laughs> yes a yes sound of thunder. which is a, a great ray bradbury uh short story by the way oh well a fantastic oh that's the the one that homer riffs on with the toaster going back in time and yes. just stepping on the yeah, yeah yeah that's the 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 main conceit of it is that they go back they're not supposed to touch anything when they go back in time and uh they observe all this stuff when they go back there's everybody speaking russian and also in some weird stuff and they're like what happened we were so careful and the guy looks on the bottom of his shoe and he sees that he stepped on a butterfly ah. and uh and then they they made that into that movie and you're right the one of the, the special effects and sound of thunder are among the worst they are eye gougingly bad they, i was i could not believe edward burns was in this movie yeah you've seen this too oh yeah but but anyway <laughs> yeah. on imdb you look it up it's like a four three and a half uh-huh. not usable for this question <laughs> and i was offended that somehow house of the dead is ranked lower than that sound of thunderbolt peter hyams of time cop fame directed that movie. <laughs> Does everybody have like <laughs> naked pictures that people are black? Is all of Hollywood just basically a blackmail it's, system? It's like, like, I think it is. Ben Kingsley, remember, Bing Kingsley's in that too, and apparently, like uh, he has no shame. I mean, he's in a lot of Uwe Boll movies too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, well, it's, uh, and it's probably a certain amount of hey, Sound of Thunder, Ray Bradbury, and actors are like, Come count me yeah, in, and man. then they get on set and they're like, oh, there's no budget. <laughs> well, craft services are good. I'll stay here for three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm going under the uh, Spiders 3D of 3.4. I saw Sharknado like the day that it premiered mm-hmm. on Sci-Fi Network, and it was my first experience with like getting involved in like a like a Twitter trending thing. And I was just watching this just mm-hmm. because it looked interesting to me. It looked ridiculous, obviously, uh, but I was just I just had a lot of fun. And this with was it. an effort actually to make a movie on purpose that was bad. Yes. yes yeah exactly and, and it's knowingly winking to itself but that's the thing now i've never seen sharknado um how well does it succeed in being that it succeeds i think fairly well now yeah. the ones after it 
are way too knowing about mm-hmm. it, way too self-referential about it, and they go over the top. I've seen two and three, I think. But the first one was, yeah, it was just a little bit over the top. It was self-referential. They know it's ridiculous. The actors know it's ridiculous. It's Ian Ziering or Ian Ziering. Isn't it, isn't the first one the one where he jumps out of the helicopter with a chainsaw and he like... He, he uses a chainsaw. Yeah, he jumps out of a helicopter, gets eaten by a shark. Yeah. And then he uses the chainsaw to come out of the, right, right, the right. shark. I have not seen any of them, and I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure he has used a chainsaw from the inside of a shark on more than one of these movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Probably so. Uh, I, I believe so. And then uh, Tara Reed. I don't know how much Tara Reed knew that she was in a uh, a self-referential thing how much Tara Reid knows in general yeah Yeah. exactly but anyway it was it was so much fun because everybody was it seemed like was, was having the same experience I was like making fun of it but kind of enjoying it following along online like Patton Oswalt is tweeting about this and like funny yeah, people are talking loving about it. this and especially when it was on TV at the same time mm-hmm. where everybody's watching it at the same time it was one of those events that you don't get a whole lot of yeah. these days yeah uh you know you don't if it if something premieres on Netflix somebody's you know on to episode 3 or something like that if yeah. it's a series uh, or has already watched it whatever so anyway that was fun and that's a 3.3 uh some of the other ones that I've uh, seen from Justin to Kelly has a 2.4, mm-hmm. and that movie that. is not as bad as a 2.4 on IMDb. No, I agree. It should be like a three and a half. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's adorable. Uh, Glitter is at 2.6, which is way too high, mm-hmm. uh, because that is, there's no redeemable part of Glitter. Mm, no. It's, uh, man, I, I've never seen, like, a movie that I liked less mm-hmm. than Glitter. Yeah. <laughs> I was actively hating myself when I was watching it. And Emoji Movie is at 3.4, yeah. uh, which I think is way too high, too, because yeah. that movie is... Oh, it's... Talk about not having anything redeemable about it. Yeah. It's just it's just awful. Mm-hmm. T.J. Miller. Yeah. T.J. Miller, T. exactly. Miller. Uh, this is a fun one. What is a movie that changed the way you think about something important? For this person, it's crimes and misdemeanors, which help to shape this person's understanding of morality. That's a really good pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. A, it's a, it, it's kind of an off kilter pick because you think about things that have big ideas and you don't think about like Woody Allen is having like or a Woody Allen movie is having big ideas. Mm-hmm. But this absolutely does. Um, you know, I, I don't even know how to 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 quantify the uh, the Martin Landau character, yeah. whether he is justified at the end or whether he is like. That guy probably shouldn't be happy at any mm-hmm. point in his life after he orders the murder of his wife. <laughs> yeah. But he is. He's yeah. he's on top of the world at that last scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, that's just my thoughts on that. Yeah. I'm on top of the world. Uh, I'm going to go with Boys in the Hood. Oh, um, and the boys in the hood. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. The band that did that, that was just like a hot minute, too. Yeah. What was that? It was like Dynamite Hack. <laughs> it's like a... Like a like an AI generated that that band name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, no, uh, Boys in the Hood. Um, I think it's easy for people like me who grow up in rural, like, bumfuck, middle of America, whatever, to not think about these kind of neighborhoods whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And you, all I ever got during that era was watts riots and all this other type of stuff all you ever got was like oh people are rioting and there's gangs there's gangs everywhere and that's all you knew about stuff like compton and crenshaw when crenshaw this is where boys in the hood is set is in crenshaw um that this movie sort of you know shed light on the fact that there's a diverse neighborhood 
uh it's it's a d- diversity of opinions and a diversity of personality types mm-hmm. there are people who are straight going to college there are people who you know they're they're some people who are dumbasses and then there are people who are you know they are gangsters yes uh, but, uh, the, especially the talk that Lawrence Fishburne has with, you know, with, uh, I believe it's Cuba Gooding when he's talking about like, look, look at every corner around here. They've put a liquor store and a gun store on every corner of this place or whatever. And like these, you see, you see what the message is. They want us to kill each other. Mm-hmm. Ice Cube has some real deep stuff in there too. Yeah, yeah. yeah like I, you know, back in 1991 and I saw this a little bit later, but I would never have thought Ice Cube had anything important to tell me back in those days at all. But it, like uh, just the way he goes in and a lot of this is John Singleton credit. You know, I mean, it's not just Ice Cube, but uh, just uh, the way he talks about like religion and he talks about like the media coverage of this neighborhood and everything is like either they don't know don't show or don't care what happens to us in the hood Mm -hmm. and it's like oh yeah i never really thought about it that way uh so that's one of the big ones i thought about do the right thing yeah that's what i was thinking about too is kind of a an east coast Uh, counterpart to that really and do the right thing um is i've never really thought of it as this is going to be hard to believe as a message movie Hmm. because when you look at it the first time it just seems like a it just seems like a day in the life and it is that's what it is it's a day in the life uh and it does have messages about race and stuff like that and it's not anything that i had not heard before but like the stuff at the end Mm -hmm. where they're talking about like police brutality and everything like that that is something that i had never really thought about before and obviously at the end of do the right thing the cops go way overboard there's this idea like uh you know yes they're 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 ha- they have a very tough job and they have to make split second decisions and everything sometimes though you see the things where like either their fear has just like overcome them and they're afraid of what might happen if they don't do the most that they can do in any situation and they go fucking overboard yep and i don't know what that is there's got to be some sort of psychological break there that causes that and you know that's one thing uh Spike Lee had based that movie on an actual like pizza. I think it was a uh, a pizza place the, where there was a riot or whatever, and like actual like uh, you know police killings that had happened around that time and everything. Uh, I didn't really appreciate that movie as the message movie it was until much later, and uh, and Boys in the Hood always had that message forefront. It felt like so, you know that's why I didn't say that one right off the bat. That's a good pick. Yeah. Well, real quick, I'll mention that um, along the same lines, I think Schindler's List was like this for me. And I think I mentioned before that in school, all I ever saw were words describing the Holocaust Mm -hmm. and some still pictures. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when Schindler's List came out and showed me that world, it was it had never been real to me in the way that it was after seeing that. And then, of course, I went and saw the Holocaust Museum in D.C. after that. And that's even more of that experience. Uh, but to answer Especially this question, the scope of it, right? Well, like, yeah. you, because you, you're, you're told numbers and it's like, all right, well, well, numbers. But then you see the amount of humans 
that that are transported uh, from place to place in your like, yeah, and this it wasn't can't just be possible. It wasn't just simple, just kill. It's a whole bunch of other just yeah. ridiculousness going along yeah. with it. Yeah. Uh, that's what. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. That's one of those things when you first see Schindler's List. Yeah, you you've just heard statistics. Is all right. I've heard. Yeah. Uh, but my real answer is uh, something equally uh, deep and personal that I didn't mean to be personal and deep when I wrote it down. But Gone Baby Gone uh, shaped part of the reason um, I don't have kids. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not because really of anything in the movie as much as I think you come out of that movie and you feel bad for the kid. Yeah. I tend to think Casey Affleck did the right thing. But that kid still has a terrible mother who doesn't care about her. And you you the movie ends with me very worried about that kid. Oh yeah. Um and it started me thinking about because uh, okay, this movie was two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. My wife and I were married in two thousand seven. And uh, up until the point when we were married and for the first couple of years after we were married, we we were like any other couple. We were planning to have kids, we were joking about what we might name them. Um and then this this movie was one of I would say a half dozen things that started us thinking about what a responsibility it is to have a kid, mm. and the anxiety that she and I both deal with, and our anxieties are different, but both passed down to us from our parents. Um, and so the, the first place I started was, can I, with my anxiety, even do what a dad is supposed to do? <laughs> Like when my wife and I leave town for the weekend, I lose sleep because I'm worried one of my cats is going to sneak out and run away forever. How much worse is that shit going to be when it's a kid? Mm. How am I going to drop a kid off at school and not lose my goddamn mind for eight hours? Yeah, I'm going to have panic attacks if I have a kid. Uh, but then there's, there's more to that. Is, even if I somehow overpower that, am I through nurture or my DNA nature? Am I passing on that anxiety to my kid? And it just came to a point where it just became not worth it for me. Hmm. Um, And I don't have enough good reasons to want to have a kid to overpower that. I just think I would would be too anxious to be a good dad. And when you Hmm. combine that, you disagree. I I can't. I can't because you could be totally right. Well, Um, I'll never know. It is a transformative experience for sure. I mean, I, I got my life more back on track uh, just because I had to. A lot of people have said that. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I don't deal with constant anxiety uh, just as a a regular trait. Uh, But, yeah, you do have those moments, especially in the early years where, like, you know, is he sleeping too much? Is he breathing? You check on it. Is he not sleeping enough? All this stuff. Like, is he getting enough to eat? All that stuff. And, uh, you know, these days, what really struck me about what you said is dropping him off at school, especially Mm -hmm. these days. Yeah. And uh, that is something that I have lost a lot of sleep over. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I can't disagree with you because you're, you're probably right. Whatever m- decision you make is the right one for you. Well, I, I tend to, you know, I like that we took our time making that decision and we didn't, you know, rush into, OK, we're definitely doing this or not doing this. But there were a lot of other factors. My wife's father was diabetic. Um, and so there's some genetic concern in passing that along to kids. Um and and so ultimately, that's the conclusion we reach. Now, if we had, I, I know a lot of people who have really great reasons to want to have a family, and and I support it. I really, really do. I just don't think I could do it. Mm. And uh, I think I would fuck that kid up enough that I would 
ultimately feel guilty. I don't. Th- that's one thing I would disagree. I, don't, I think you would be a terrific father. I don't think you'd fuck up a kid, um, at least intentionally. Um, well, no, I wouldn't do it on purpose. But this, uh, but this decision that you've made is much easier to reverse if you change your mind well, later on than the other way around. <laughs> for sure. Yes. So, so you made the right decision for now, for yes. sure. Yes. Yes. No, I agree. Anyway, uh, when I wrote that down and emailed it, I wasn't thinking about how I was going to get into some personal stuff, but I don't really mind sharing that mm. uh, because it's true, and I and and I've been pretty honest about my anxiety anyway. And uh, this is just one of the one of the ways it's affected my life. So there you go. I've started seeing a lot more, by the way, a lot of a lot more actors and and just performers coming out about that type of stuff yeah um the most recent was bo burnham of all people yep. uh you would never think looking at that guy that he's a- anxious about anything or has anxiety about anything um and he said something like he only really realized it when he was on stage yeah. in uh, Scotland or something. And like halfway through it, he said he had this tunnel vision mm. and everything. And uh, he was talking to Mark Maron and Maron's like, well, what'd you do? And he's like, I <laughs> soldiered through it. Wow. And I was like, I don't know how you do that. You yeah. know, that's just, that's crazy to me. If you, if you're in that situation where you're like, oh, everything's terrible, you know, like, I don't know how you continue a show or whatever. So, but yeah, I've been seeing that a lot lately. I have too. It's encouraging for me to see that too. Um, at the little bit of that was what Topher Grace was alluding to. Have you seen the headlines about his latest edit? He took all three Hobbit movies and edited them down into a two-hour cohesive short film. <laughs> oh, like really? he did with uh, Star like he did Wars. with the prequels. But he did it as an exercise to help him cope after playing David Duke yeah. in this uh, Black Clansman Black Black oh, yeah. movie, and it, it messed him up, and mm. he needed to kind of therapy himself through that. Again, more people are dealing with it than you know, mm-hmm. and the more of us that talk about it, uh, the more it's going to help. So, By the way, man, I disagree with you on Gone Baby Gone. How do you mean? You he, think Casey made the wrong choice? Yes, absolutely. Well, you're a parent. How do you keep that child in that situation i mean there's a reason why child protective services is a thing and again that's a decision that you can reverse later on instead of the other way around if he removes her from that situation and gets her into some sort of services or gets her with a a family that well that's not the option i don't feel like that's the choice i feel like the the choice is is going with morgan freeman call the cops or leave her with morgan freeman yeah i don't think you can leave her with the guy that stole her exactly and if and if they and if morgan freeman and this cabal of kidnappers yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right i understand had, that but there had early on said we got to get this kid out of the situation and called child services then yeah instead it was sort of more of a selfish thing like me and my wife want to have a kid so why don't we just take the- i mean especially when god damn it the guy who's in the town who is the partner of John Ham, brother-in-law who hasn't had a drink and then confesses? Oh, Titus Welliver. Titus Welliver. Because yeah. um, he even tells that that story that racks you with guilt mm-hmm. about how she, her she was literally roasting. Mm-hmm. Her skin was literally roasting. You should call child services right fucking then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What I love it, is that I can't. I can't say definitively you're wrong. Yeah. I just don't agree with I, you. I, I, I think I'm morally ambiguous enough that I would not have. Uh, I would not have done Casey Affleck's thing. I, I, I think I, I think looking at it, it I like morally Casey Affleck did the right thing in that movie. Uh, I don't think I would do it. Mm. I don't think I would either. I think you that, could. I think you can defend that. I really yeah. do. Yeah. I think that's why that, that movie is way more brilliant than we give it credit for, mm-hmm. or at least that story. Yeah. 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 
Um, I, we've talked about this movie a lot, but Arrival is a movie that's stuck with me mm. since we saw it. What was it? Uh, 2017? Was it last year? Two, two years ago. Uh, that movie stuck the fuck with me on multiple levels because I've seen it multiple times now. And the first one was obvious. It was the time as a construct. And mm-hmm. it, it just kind of like jars you. When when they have that reveal, you're like, holy shit. And you, you see this come into focus and you, you understand what they're going for conceptually. And it's like, God damn, that just broke my brain. Yep. And I have to like put it back together and then like all the different pieces. And then you watch it again and you're like, this is nonlinear and all that stuff. And man, that that just really stuck mm-hmm. with me. But then when you watch it like the fourth or fifth time, you start getting into the talk about moral ambiguity. Exactly. Of, this is the perfect piggyback of what we were just yeah, talking exactly, about. about her decision. And I don't think she told Renner, right? I no. don't know. I don't it, know. It was never explained in the movie. Like, I don't think he knows in that. Oh, no, she does tell him later on. That's why he leaves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, she really? that she or did he leave no, right after the she death? always knew that was going to happen and he would have never gone through with right. it. Right. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's the weird thing. A for her to have the child and B for her to not tell Renner. And but we're rooting for this woman because she, you know, saves the world mm-hmm. and all that stuff and you know, she's a compelling character, and you understand why she made the decision that she made. Well, mm-hmm. and I have defended this. You were talking about a movie that made my wife angry. Uh, because of that? Well, yeah, she loved it right up until that. But then the idea that she chooses to have a kid she knows is going to die of cancer is, at least in my wife's opinion, not defendable. Mm. Um, whereas I defend that decision by saying, at least I think the movie's trying to say, she has chosen love. Um, in the face of no... She is, she is saying however many years I get with this person is still better than not. There's that, but then there's the conceptual uh, thing of, is this fixed? Is this uh, because she was already experiencing this before uh, she had the reveal, right? Yeah. So is this a fixed event or is this truly a choice that she's making? Mm. Or is this something that she was always going to do because the time is a a fixed timeline, right? So there's there's no way to... I, I don't think they I don't I think in Arrival they've made it explicit that it's not it's not fixed I don't think I think it is fixed because they know in 3000 years or whatever it is that humanity is going to to help them mm-hmm. and that they had to do this and to to basically complete the circuit I, I just thought that they looked at time differently than we did and so whether it's fixed or fluid or whatever is is a human concept yeah um uh, I yeah, I don't know if if the decisions if there is like a free she, will. Component. I mean, she could say no. She could. She she could. still has the chance to say no. She does, but is that decision going to be ultimately made for her? And and this is this is what I'm talking about. This is why I can pick apart this movie for hours because there's so much in there where there may be something that explicitly tells us that free will does exist in this timeline and it is fluid. And maybe if somebody steps on a butterfly or something like that, then mm-hmm. in 3,000 years, humanity won't go out to save the aliens. Well, there's a lot of people right now telling you when Meg comes out to just turn your brain off and go have a good time. Mm-hmm. And I hope you do, and I probably will. But give me this arrival kind of movie every day of the week that mm-hmm. I can chew on and talk about with friends and loved ones for months, if yeah. not years, 
that's why I love movies is that they this question is why I love movies is that they they can challenge you. They can change your stance on things. Um, They don't have to just be big, dumb fun. Yeah. Big, dumb fun is fine. Yeah. And this is a good movie, too. I mean, this is just like it's compelling. They've got some action sequences in there. Got that great explosion scene. Um, and it's aliens coming down from earth and weird, crazy heptapods and all that stuff. But it's, but it's got so much there. Something like Annihilation, which I loved, and I think Jeremy, you love too, is all full of big ideas. The movie itself is plotting and you have to really like sign on to be in this. It's not like an uplifting movie or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It's not an action based movie, except for that uh, crazy terror bear thing. Yeah. It's, it's dense and it's visually dense. Arrival is a good movie that you could watch and just be like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, it's a time thing. Cool. Yeah. All right. Or you could do what we're doing and nerd out about it and like really try to figure out, you know, what's what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. Yep. I want to watch it again to see if there's anything well, it's explicit the same thing in there. with Gone Baby Gone. There's a really good mystery there. Yep. And if you don't want to tackle any of the moral issues afterwards, you don't have to. They just that's there if you want to. And I, I mean, I want to. I want to bad. That bartender was not fucking around. <laughs> fucking around. Was not. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, I love this one. I've heard it said that even though Leonard Cohen is responsible for the song, <laughs> <laughs> even though Leonard Cohen is responsible for the song Hallelujah, his performance of it can leave people wanting. Uh, <laughs> That's putting uh, it mildly. Yeah. 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 I mean, I love it as a song. I love it in his gravelly voice. Yeah. But I love the Jeff Buckley version of it mm-hmm. more. And there's a few other versions that are terrific, too. Um what are some songs in which you love the writing but not the execution? This, yeah, is that it? Yeah, there's a little bit more. Okay. And can this be said about movies, too? If so, which are like that for you? Oh, right. I didn't read that part of the question. I, oh, okay. I, I, had, I struggled to come up with a song that I found very well written but hated. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Because that's yeah, what yeah. that question's asking. Um, I ended up having to come knock some uh, parameters down on this one. Uh, and go with a song that I think has a good message, but isn't very well executed. And I'm sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, bag on Nickelback, and I know those poor, poor bastards don't need it. (laughs) They've had, it's it's a constant (laughs) thing with them, right? It's an easy thing. And I think Imagine Dragons is getting close to that, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think, I don't think they'll ever be as, uh, aggressively, uh, bad as Nickelback. No. Unless they keep putting out shit like fucking Thunder with their yeah, theremin solo. But Nickelback has a song called Never Again, which is about domestic abuse. Right. And I hear, heard the song a bunch because there's one rock station in Nashville. <laughs> and back in the day when this song was on and I didn't have satellite radio, I would hear this song ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. It's about domestic abuse. It's about basically from the uh, perspective of a son watching his father beat his mother. That's pretty much what it comes down to. But I hate the goddamn song so much, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, there's a whole thing where it's like, you know, father's a name you haven't earned yet. You're just a child with a temper. This is actually probably a badly written song. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't fit the parameters <laughs> of this question. But, but the, got, idea, the, the, concept, the idea yeah. is good. What makes it even worse, though, is that Nickelback, so this song is awful. Never Again's a horrible song that you know, is so bad, but I know that a lot of you out there are like, yeah, man, fighting against domestic abuse, fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> That's how they sound, man. Exactly. But then they came out with a song called Something in Your Mouth. <laughs> 
Wow. And I yes. was like, wait a minute. Uh, are we are we cool with with something in your mouth? <laughs> but we're but we're not the, okay, the beating's okay. Not not okay, yeah. but but the sec over sexualizing and like, oh, you look a lot cuter with something in your mouth. Yeah. We like that. <laughs> you know, uh so that's that's for me, like I can't think of a song that's well written that I hate. Oh, yeah. Like, I can't think of that. I don't pay attention to the lyrics enough to songs. I think that's why there's so many songs that have incomprehensible or just downright, uh, just muddy lyrics. They mm. don't have any, like, there's, we just came out here to rock, man. We don't have any, <laughs> any, you know, goal. That's what every Stone Temple Pilot song is. Uh, it's that. And, uh, yeah, exactly. They were, they were outright about it. Yeah. And the same thing was with Nirvana, too. I right. mean, Kurt Cobain would write, would write intentionally ridiculous lyrics just yeah. to put it in there i know that uh i know that our friend jonathan often came up with this one line he hated from the leonard skinnard song i think it's sweet home alabama where it's uh it's like uh watergate does not bother me does your conscience bother you and <laughs> and see that's, that's definitely sweet home alabama. that's just that's just bad writing <laughs> it's and i can't think of anything like like i was thinking i was thinking of this song thing forever man i couldn't think like like there's and, and most of the time i was just coming up with lyrics that i hated and that doesn't fit the parameters of the song. like uh counting crows uh mr jones has that one where it's like gray is my favorite color yeah, man. i felt so symbolic <laughs> yesterday <laughs> yesterday fuck you hey, if we're talking about terrible lyrics from good good groups there is that uh um love the way you lie you remember the eminem and the uh rihanna song yes and he writes a lyric where he's like i'm standing seeing you through a window i guess that's why they call it window pane yeah oh right god what yeah. the fuck yeah what the fuck i never guy? really thought he was all the way trying on any of those rihanna collaborations <laughs> No, um, they all go platinum every single day oh, i love that song monsters oh yeah my bed mm -hmm. God, yeah man. rihanna just comes out and just she could say something spoken word or whatever and it would oh, be shit. That's right. hit oh, on shit billboards top yeah, 100 <laughs> so all it is is her talking i know it's hot <laughs> um the uh i did have a have a movie thing for this um it's the same sort of parameters though i don't feel like hunger games and divergent and maze runner and all those movies are particularly like well written or anything i do like the stories though i like the idea of this dystopian future where you put you know teenagers in these things and they're like you know they have to they have to play a game to get out of it and everything uh I don't like how, though, all of those movies end up turning their attention towards revolution. Yeah. Um, and, and I know this is a weird thing to say, but I actually don't want them to, I've said this before, I don't want them to get out of the Hunger Games. <laughs> I want them to always play the Hunger Games. This is, I want them to use their wits to get out of the big you know the big 3d world that they've been put in and i want them to keep now they 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 fucked up in hunger games right off the bat by saying that you know it's it, they randomly select these people to go in and it's usually not the same people over and over they do do that all-star version that survivor all-stars mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. uh later on so that sort of uh but hunger games for about two-thirds of its runtime if you go from the first movie to the last it's all about let's topple the government mm -hmm. oh yeah and so is Divergent, 
and definitely Maze Runner. Yep. Which Maze Runner have finished that series. I don't have any idea what the fuck that was about. <laughs> makes no I sense have no to clue me. Either, man. Makes no sense well, to okay, me. Okay, I I've never read the books. Mm-hmm. But the way the movies play, it suggests the first book was written without any concept of where the series would go after. Oh yeah. And that the where it went after was it was like, well, I, I'm going to write this to be a cliffhanger, and then I'll make something up if it sells well, enough. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly what happened in there. Agent came and said, man, this is a big hit. You need to write another one of these. Yeah, but not the maze. Yeah. Do something with the word <laughs> right. Scorch. Right. Some kind of trials. Yeah, it's like, it's it's pretty hilarious at the end of Scorch Trials. They're like, you know, you see Thomas, the main character, he's like about to, he's like, I'm going to save Minho, and it's going to be great and everything. And, and, uh, and they're like, well, do you have a plan? And Thomas is like, and it's like, oh, he must have a plan. And then you find out in the the next Maze Runner, it took him six months to figure out what the fuck to do. Oh my god, <laughs> uh, that's the type of thing. I, I, you know, Revolution can be a good movie, but when you've you've put this mysterious, it's like Lost, right? Yeah. You put this mysterious thing that's got all these little like, oh, what could it be, and all this stuff. You make this little magical mystery box. And yeah. it, and then you turn it into complete. It's it. That's why the Running Man works so well on yeah. its own. That's why the Long Walk uh, from Stephen King, another Stephen King, uh, that's I think finally getting adapted. Mm. Why that works? Mm-hmm. There is no explanation given to why they're 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 made to do this. It just it just works. Yeah, just yeah. Go along. Stop with it. having a Donald Sutherland. You've got a beat at the end of this. <laughs> you know. Stop having that. You know. Who was uh, the guy with the the young guy that designed the the chamber in the first movie with what, the crazy beards. Yeah, no, oh, it's West Bentley. Bentley. <laughs> it was West Bentley. Yeah. Yeah, all right. I, was, I was like, I was like, I, I, I think he's talking about West Bentley, but, but, you know, I, let, let me make sure first. <laughs> uh, all right. So I don't have a movie answer to this question, mm-hmm. but I, I've got a hot take for the music answer. All right. Cause the way I interpret this question. And again, could be not the way the question asker intended, but I don't care. Was a, a song that is good that the original performance is not enjoyable to you, most likely because of the style of the music. Yeah, or you've so heard like, some, the, the, the yes. second thing. Like so you're like talking the about. reason I don't like Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah is that it sounds like an old man singing it in a church. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Whereas I've heard plenty of other people sing it in a much more mournful, soulful, emotional, passionate way that I connect to. And I don't connect to the way he sings it, but the, the root song, melody, and the words are the same. Mm-hmm. So my answer is Mark Cohn, Walking in Memphis, mm. which I think is one of the greatest songs ever written, and I can't fucking stand it. Oh, really? Because of his voice. It's, but it's just a little too <laughs> stage musically. <laughs> Oh, you got a friend in Memphis. It's like, yeah. <laughs> that is definitely a hot take. I don't like it. My brother, this is like one of my brother's favorite songs of all time. And I, I can totally respect the words, the symbolism, the melody. I just can't listen to Mark Cohn sing it. This is. I can't. I totally agree with you, actually. <laughs> I didn't realize that I agreed with you because I like that song too. But yeah, it's like, I'm walking with my feet over here on the field. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stand it. So somebody with a, with a voice I like more, record that song. I need Toad the Wet Sprocket to record that song. Oh, yeah. Actually, no, that was a bad choice. 
but um, somebody with a good need Guster oh, to do it. Oh no no no. Um, Chris uh, Country Boy Stapleton Stapleton. Ooh ooh right yeah. there right mm-hmm. yeah man right. You got to think that at some point he's going to be asked to sing that song right. He probably has already covered it and it's on YouTube. Ooh, but yeah, we should look. I, I would nominate Chris Stapleton for the guy to do the Whitney Houston remake I Always Love You version of Mark Cohn's Walk It in Memphis, which is, what, 25 years old now? Probably Just due about, for a yeah. remake. Yeah. Probably due. Man. I thought the generals were due. I agree <laughs> with you 100%. I'm surprised. On that take. I'm surprised. I really <laughs> I thought I was going to be on like the biggest like that biggest island ever, because everybody loves that song. I never thought about it. I can't yeah. stand his voice. Yeah. I hear that song come on. I'm like, ah, I'll sing it to myself in my head, but I'm hoping it's <laughs> interesting okay so uh a few years back around 2010 uh britney spears was still in her comeback stage Mm -hmm. like she wasn't all the way back like she's in vegas doing a residency now and she did a song called uh till the world ends all right oh 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 yeah i remember this and poor britney man she was uh, she was not in like the best shape, mm-hmm. basically, and it showed in her performances, especially in this music video where it's just kind of like tired stripper moves, like oh, just kind of yeah. like you know pumping her chest and stuff like that. Right. Um, this was written by Kesha, and mm. it is a total fucking Kesha song, mm-hmm. and it should have been a Kesha song. Kesha should have report- recorded it and performed it, and it would have been one thousand percent better mm-hmm. than the Britney Spears version. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's, it's a good song. But the way that Britney does it is just not not there, man. It, yeah. ne- it needs more sass. It had required more sass than Britney could muster. It kind of reminds me of that Miss Independent, like Kelly Clarkson yeah. and everything. Like it's it's such a Christina song. <laughs> well, and it was written for Christina. <laughs> yeah, well, it, yeah. like yeah, that's what I was saying. It's it's a it's a Christina Aguilera song, and then they gave it to Kelly Clarkson, who she can pull it off. Oh yeah, but it's it, you know because of all the stuff that Christina was singing at at the time. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, every time I hear that, yeah, every time I hear that, I'm like, oh, it's Christina Aguilera. Yeah. Like, it sounds just like that. It does. Yeah, I, I it is. It is a good song. Uh, the only other one that I'll uh, do since we're dragging up stuff from the past is Collective Souls Shine. Mm. Mm. Fucking hated this song when really? it came out. The guy's voice is just like a little yep. too over dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I just didn't like their sound. I didn't like the way that they performed it. He's somewhere between Mark Cohn and that guy from the Crash Test Dummies. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 It's just. It, it was just a weird sound. I didn't like the guy's voice and everything. I I thought I just fucking hated this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard it a million times on radio back in the 90s. And then I heard Dolly Parton cover it mm-hmm. um, probably fuck? about, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. And she did a bluegrass version of it. Hmm. And it is glorious. Really? Yeah. It is fantastic. Now, I love Dolly Parton uh, in just about anything. But she's just stripped down and just like folksy and just delivering it straight How to your gut. How did she ever even come across that song? I'm sure she has handlers that are like, hey, here's this thing from 1996. This is the same thing as Johnny Cash doing Hurt. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, yeah. No, you, you should definitely check that out because it's, especially if you was, like bluegrass, if you like uh, straightforward delivery and just it, it pairs the song down to where it's actually a good song. I didn't even realize that it's got I this like bluegrass that break. guitar down. lick was a little bit pompous. Which that, one? The Look, it gives you that pause, like, look how awesome I am. I like this song. In a bluegrass context, though, it's awesome. I really liked, I think it was their next album, um, 
all your weight falls on me, brings me down. That's the lick that I liked from Yeah. They also had that The World I Know song. It was really good. And it had a really good music video, too. I was about to ask if you liked that one, too. I liked Shine. I didn't know that there was I didn't know there was derision towards why they did that. I didn't like it. I wasn't a fan. And for the movie version... We've talked about this before, but it, I caught it a little bit the other day. Mallrats. Mm-hmm. Ah. Mallrats is written every bit as funny and as acerbic as mm-hmm. Clerks. Yep. You put those words in clunky delivery, though. Yeah. Every, everyone that's not Jason Mewes, Kevin Smith, or Jason Lee in this movie has no business yeah. speaking you like that. You have Jeremy London, yeah. and you have Claire Forlani, <laughs> who's Scottish. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. Yeah. It comes through. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I guess uh, Ethan Suplee is, is funny in yeah, there. Yeah, but, but he's only got like two scenes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, and Shannon Doherty isn't any better than yeah. those two either. Uh, really, it's just Jason Lee that gets to like really get out there and like espouse all this stuff. I can't express myself monosyllabically enough for you to understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Ben Affleck, of course, is is good with this too, but he's playing an ass. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely great writing, bad execution. Uh, what is your favorite cast ever assembled in a film and or TV show? Uh, this person's TV answer is American Gods, which is filled with stars playing to their strengths. And this person would say the Phantom Menace for movies. Ewan McGregor gives the best performance, but every actor chosen is one I love and other stuff. Now, I can't agree with those choices. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I like the question. I like the question a lot. It's uh, the, the problem for me is that I feel like I could give any one of a dozen answers and feel like I'm giving you the right answer for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ultimately settled. I'm, I don't know why I'm jumping ahead of Chris in line here, but I oh, ultimately settled on the West Wing. Oh, yeah. For television show. Uh, because I don't think there's a single character down to the recurring that's miscast in that show. All right, so Martin Sheen, Allison Janney, who else? Stocker Channing, Stocker Channing, Rob Lowe. Oh yeah. Um, Bradley Whitford. There's a kind of like half dude of this that cast. gets torn in half in Lost World. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, uh, what is his wait, name? Wait, isn't he in that? Oh yes, yes he is. Uh, Toby Ziegler is the, the character's name. I can't think of the actor. Richard Schiff. Richard Schiff. Um. <clears throat> But they're all just really well cast and they have a great but see a lot of times people talk about what's the best cast and I could rattle off something like Heat that yeah. has oh it's got Pacino and De Niro but for me this question is about chemistry uh, how well did they fit the roles and how well did they play off of each other uh, and then for movie version I went with um, <clears throat> well I just read it and I've forgotten it you saw it uh, Alpha Dog Alpha Dog. I love that cast so much I forgot the name of the movie. <laughs> um, this seems to just be perpetually showing up on Stars or Showtime like every oh, really? other week. And I can't, it it overrules anything else I'm watching every time I see it on the guide. I, it's just mesmerizing to me. Uh, and I think a lot of it is that everyone was just really well cast. And most everyone in this movie, this is before they were as famous as you know them mm-hmm. as. Almost everyone, not Bruce Willis and Sharon Stone, obviously. Um, and it just you know, it makes me wonder what Nick Cassavetes has been doing with his life <laughs> if he's not making more movies like this and starring in Face Off. <laughs> mm. uh, it's just it's just a, such a home run. You're right. It is well. It, the the chemistry is perfect there. Like Emile Hirsch is perfectly slimy. Uh, Justin Timberlake is perfectly party dude. Yes. Um, and then the the kid. 
Anton Yelchin. Anton Yelchin is is perfectly innocent. Ben Foster is perfectly Ben Foster. Like, yeah. Drug-induced droid rage. <laughs> I, think, I mean, you know, Nick Cassavetes, you know, he, he didn't make movies like this uh, before or after. Yeah. I think he sort of got a perfect whirlwind to happen to make this movie. Maybe. And yeah, it must have been everybody who was hot on the casting call sheets at the time because it's got, it's kind of got that outsiders uh like as yeah. far as casting is concerned feel where like uh that the stories that the actors tell about the outsiders is that everybody who was up for anything back in the day was up for the outsiders and they got nearly everybody mm. that was hot back then to do that you know that's why there is like you know it's, it's Cruz and dylan and ralph macchio yeah. and you know <laughs> you know all these people my favorite part in there is where uh, I think it's Ben Foster gets hit like with a beer bottle over his head, and you think, "Oh, that must have hurt him." It yeah. only makes him angry, yeah, <laughs> like, like more rage. Ben yeah. Foster is a fucking well, <laughs> scary asshole in that movie. He is, and we forget like Lucas Haas is in this movie. Oh yeah, Olivia Wilde is in this movie. Vincent Carthaser is in this movie. Oh, Amanda Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried. Uh, Dominique Swain. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie's just fucking packed with people, uh, and they're all great. They're all perfectly. P- cast and they'll play off of each other well is it sean hatasi who's the put upon guy that works for yeah i think it's hattasi but yeah oh, okay but uh he's perfectly cast in that role as he's like the one member of the crew that everyone dumps on yeah, yeah. like he's the low man on the totem is pole. he the one that eventually kills the the dude yeah yeah that's right god i need to watch this movie again oh uh, i probably at this point in the last year i've probably now seen this thing 10 times Really, I just I cannot turn away, and it starts with that well, opening credits where they got little Anton Yelton's baby pictures, and they're playing that somewhere over the rainbow cover. Yeah, and it just sucks me right because I know he's not only is that character dead, the actor's dead, and yeah. it just kind of gives me that double whammy of anyway. And that uh, that movie was made while the trials were still going on. Wow, I didn't know that. And um, that's and that's the reason why I think it took a while for it to get a release because the information that they were, the producers were getting for this movie to make this movie were things that they needed to talk about at the trial. Oh, wow. So I don't know how they got greenlit on the movie in the first place, if it hadn't already gone to trial and all that, but apparently somebody snookered somebody. Well, it works out really well too, because every time a side character is introduced, you get kind of like a freeze frame and an on-screen title card saying, this is witness number 14, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, saw this such and such crime, yada, yada. Uh, everybody gets that kind of label as you go through the film and you know you're it kind of reminds you you're watching a true story mm-hmm. yeah um so for tv i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the office um oh that's a good pick and uh yeah and uh it's one of those things like so you you got your main core there steve carell john krasinski and rain wilson are your main main core and you got jenna fisher in there but like all the people who you would consider no names in this are perfectly cast. And it's mainly because they have, they've written good characters for them too. And they uh, were writers too, right? They, yeah. Um, Mindy Kaling, uh, uh, BJ Novak, both of those people. Oscar Nunez, I think was. I think Oscar Nunez yeah, was yeah. writer. Uh, that, uh, the, God, what's his name? Uh, Toby, the guy who plays Toby was like, uh, not even an actor. It was, right. I can't even remember what he was on that why they ended up casting him or whatever but he's like not even an actor but he's perfect he's so that. perfect um but uh but you go through all these like the brian uh, the brian Baumgartner guy mm-hmm. and uh, just like all these just different characters they've written and they only have their 
they had their moments or whatever, but they, they, they just really just, um, uh, fill that entire production mm-hmm. with just, with, uh, and they're just all perfect to look perfectly. They have that Creed guy. Uh, he was in a psychedelic band back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the, the character, it, uh, the person, uh, the actor mm-hmm. himself was in a psychedelic yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, later awesome. on, the office started getting ridiculous. I mean, they started like, you know, they had James Spader on there for a while, which is a pretty good arc. But, oh, yeah. But like they had Kathy Bates and Will Ferrell and Jim Carrey. And it just started getting, I've watched those, uh, those, last episodes fairly recently because mm-hmm. they were they're running all the time on comedy central and man they just lose steam like when jim goes off to the athletes yeah. company and all that stuff of course now the the favorite pastime of people who watch the office is to like figure out all the things that jim did off camera that you know like there's the theory that jim cheated on pam and there's the theory that uh really yeah and all that huh. and like uh there's the theory that uh there was one thing that you know hit the internet like a lightning bolt for one day you know about how jim is really just a terrible person <laughs> and talked about all the different things that he did he, he got the house without her he went and went and got the job without yep. her did all these different things without pam and everything um this is i took the question the same way like it's easy to come up with that that movie or that tv show that had like everybody name actors in it and everything um and a lot of times you get the name actors and it's not the same kind of chemistry and everything. You're distracted by how many like well-known faces are mm-hmm. in a, are in a thing, but I'm going to completely reverse that on my movie though, because I feel like Oliver Stone with JFK went against oh, wow. type on so many of these guys. Now, if he had gone type on a lot of these people, it wouldn't have made any sense. I had never seen John Candy the way he is in this movie. Yeah, no kidding. John Candy's a sleazy ass fucking lawyer in this movie. And uh before then, you knew John Candy from Planes, Trains and Automobiles and all of his comedies, Uncle Buck, all that stuff. That's what you knew him from. And then they put him in this he's still kind of funny, but it's it's kind of like this dark funny. Oh yeah. And uh Ed Hasner is another one that mm-hmm. they throw in there. But there's a billion people in this, obviously. Gary Oldman plays Lee Harvey Oswald. Kevin Costner, of course, is playing, you know, Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, uh, you have, his uh, character's name is Kevin Costner. Yeah, his name <laughs> is, uh, yeah. He's playing John Dunbar. <laughs> uh, he, Stone puts in all these, these, you know, these character actors that you, that you know. Uh, Kevin Bacon is in there briefly. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is playing against type in this. Yeah. I, I was uh, waiting for you to bring him up too. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is playing a completely again. Like if you've watched Tommy Lee Jones' career, some of his Tommy Lee Jones ism is in this, but he's playing a gay New Orleans socialite. Yep. Like you don't see Tommy Lee Jones playing that anywhere else. Mm-mm, no. Um, and, uh, and just a, just a, a million name actors just thrown in just to like, you know, uh, just into the random roles and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see the character actors like Frank Whaley and Pruitt Taylor Vince and Vincent D'Onofrio and all these people just getting thrown in and they're, they're kind of, they're, they, they, he got them because they're, they're good, but they're also like known. I forgot good. about Frank Whaley. Yeah. What happened about Frank Whaley? Why didn't he have a bigger career? I don't know. I don't know. He had a good run. He had Swimming with Sharks and Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty good run. Well, yeah, but that was kind of it was it him in career opportunities was it him with oh the... yeah i think it was but yeah i mean he just kind of petered out yeah. maybe he's doing directing or something he's probably directed like a season of csi <laughs> yeah jesus 
<laughs> yeah, and that and uh, like what both career opportunities and JFK came out the same year. That's when he oh, first yeah. started uh, becoming a thing and everything. But uh, I'm looking him up. He's got 110 actor credits, by the way. Wow, uh, a lot of TV shows. Check out the big brain on Frank. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of TV shows and everything. But yeah, JFK is one of those where it's just uh, sissy SpaceX in it too. You, it's one of those where you just like. You know, you're like astounded at the number of actors that they got and just a lot of, you know, uh, but they're cast in a way that I like too. Walter Matthau's just in there briefly. Jack Lemmon's got a little, little part. Oh yeah. Uh, there's just a, there's a ton of people that just show up and do their thing and they're gone and you know, they probably got paid a couple bucks for it and, but they just want to be an Oliver Stone movie Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's uh, it's just fun. It's not and it's not distracting because he does give them things to do or um, a different kind of character than they're known for. Yeah. Since you guys started off with TV, I'll go TV too because I just finished the first season of Fargo, mm-hmm. and um, it's taken me a while to to catch up on it. But I finally got Hulu, so I dove into season one. God damn! How good there's, is Billy Bob in that show? Oh, man? he's he's so good. Uh, there's there's some. Re- ridiculous decisions made and like yes. plot conveniences and stuff like that uh that that kind of confused me but the score is so epic and the fucking cast now season two i understand has a, a terrific cast too mm-hmm. season three has a terrific one but billy bob thornton in season one is so fantastic bob odenkirk uh allison tolman who i've never seen anything else actually oh she's in a million things is she really yeah like you'll you'll eventually start seeing allison tolman everywhere interesting once you start watching stuff like after now that you've seen vargo Mm -hmm. she's in a billion things uh and colin hanks is terrific in this martin freeman of course uh lester nagard uh but then like bob odenkirk fucking random key and peel show up later on in the season (laughs) Uh, I'm just uh, looking at some of the stuff. Steven Rude is in there. Glenn Howerton, just uh, like a yeah. crazy, like yeah, uh, a super tan instructor. Yeah. Yeah. I love your butt right now. It's really, <laughs> really great. But that's a great cast. And you could see, especially with uh, with Allison Tolman and Colin Hanks, like you believe in that relationship. Oliver Platt's in this. Uh, <clears throat> had a really interesting arc in that. Uh, so anyway, I'm totally looking forward to the, the the rest of it. But that cast in that season really worked together perfectly. For the movies, I have to shout out A Few Good Men because A Few mm. Good Men from top line is fantastic. Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, you know, Kevin Pollock, Jack Nicholson, all that stuff. They work perfectly together. But also Cruise and Kevin Bacon are, are great foils because they're also like friends, basically. Uh, you've got random Christopher Guest playing mm-hmm. way against type as yep. a doctor, like straight laced doctor. You got Kiefer, mm-hmm. who's this Bible thumping asshole. You got surprise Noah Wiley. You got surprise yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. Like, uh, there's just, this, this cast is just fucking loaded. And I love it. Uh, but one I was watching the other day, I had completely forgot that Billy Bob Thornton is in Tombstone for like a, oh, like yeah. a, a wow. second. But that, that has an awesome cast. Cause mm-hmm. you got, you know, again, the top line of Kurt Russell, Sam, uh, Sam Elliott and uh, Val Kilmer and Bill Paxton. But then you've got like you know cameos by uh, by uh, Billy Bob and Jason Priestley, uh, fucking uh, Billy uh, Billy Zane, Dana yeah. Delaney. Like you've got these great Thomas Hayden Church, uh, these 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 great actors that just show up uh, randomly and they all work together perfectly mm-hmm. on that. Too. I love that movie so much. Was, I haven't seen it in a long Powers time. Booth, fucking yeah. Michael Bean. Powers Booth, uh, Michael Bean and Val Kilmer. Those scenes with Johnny Ringo and mm-hmm. Doc Holliday are just sizzling. 
Yeah. They're so good. You know. Speaking of Michael Bean, did you see that new still from the upcoming Terminator movie I tweeted about? I did. I didn't know that because I didn't have any context and I was on the road. I didn't know what that was from. I didn't recognize Linda Hamilton. No, no. She looks. <laughs> I saw somebody. I almost stole the joke, but I saw somebody on Reddit or somewhere um, call her Hillary. Oh, wow. I see what Hillary's been up to in the last since she lost the election. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I tweeted it because the whole thing is just a Photoshop job of what the fuckness. But Mm -hmm. yeah, in particular, Linda Hamilton's character looks a little straight to DVD for me, Mm -hmm. the way they've mocked her up here. And I don't even think they've shot anything yet. So I don't know why you're putting out a first look (laughs) at this movie. But I hope Michael Bean's in it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. I mean, if they're bringing everybody else back, why not? I love me some Bean, man. I wish uh, I wish he was in my life more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. All right, this is a little bit long. During the outtakes in the last episode, uh, we spoke spoke about Bo Burnham and Mike Birbiglia uh, being great at everything they do, including making movies. If you could give any comedian and type of movie, who and what would it be? For example, this person would say, uh, give Gerard Carmichael a murder mystery like on the Orient Express, but set in Chicago or New York because his show had such a great realism about how life is today. Um, that would work for this person. Yeah, um, it's it's tough to know what a lot of these comedians are into. Mm-hmm. Like, as far, like I would have never guessed Aziz Ansari had the show on Netflix in him just by his stand-up. No, or, no, definitely not. Or even Louis C.K. And I know they, those names conjure up some bad uh, juju these mm-hmm. days, but um, but the you never thought that they had those television shows in them um, before they actually did them. But uh, the comedian that I would like to see, and I'm I'm just going to say I'd like to see him do a comedy, direct a com- write and direct a comedy, is Hannibal Burris. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and uh, I, he like when he they first started sticking him in some movies, I was like, oh, you're just kind of giving him some some silly. Like I didn't really like his uh, appearance in Neighbors all that much. I, yeah. I was like, yeah, whatever. Mm. But in Spider Man, he was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in Tag, he was funny. So like, but I, can, if you if you've ever listened to a whole like Hannibal Burris thing, it would be nice to to see him do a like actually do a scenario from one of his one of his stand up acts or he whatever. He seems really smart. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so that's the first name that conjured up. I it like I said, who knows? Hannibal Burris might have like some amazing fucking like just you know deep get out type movie in him or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, who uh, knew that Jordan Peele... Right. Because uh, nobody was expecting how good Get Out was. No. Even though Jordan Peele's terrific on camera in Key and Peele and stuff like that, it came out of complete nowhere. Right. So, like, how, you know, that, that was my main struggle with this. It's just that of all the people that haven't done movies or haven't done shows yet, he's the one that hasn't actually written and directed a show so mm. or a movie. So I would like to see what he would come up with. Yeah. Nice. Man, I, I have a couple of answers that I just thought of. I just now realize how much fun I think it would be um, to watch Dave Chappelle remake Blazing Saddles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he would be able to get away with it, too. I think he's one of the only people who could. Yeah. yeah. Um, my real answer is going to be um, entirely too specific. But I want to see Aziz Ansari, based off his stand-up and... Um, the tv show on netflix that he's got i think he could pull off like a dramedy of nuance with complicated issues now there's this movie recently recently last 
I don't know, five, ten years with Albert Brooks called Looking for Comedy in the Muslim World. You oh, yeah. This, yeah. He, he tries to, he's trying to figure out what makes Muslim people laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the comedy of the movie is him mistaking that and not really knowing what he's in for. I want to see Aziz do that kind of a thing. Period piece of a Middle Eastern comic in 1950s, 60s America. Hmm. Hmm. Trying to figure out how to carve out a... I don't know why. Yeah. Like I said, entirely too specific. But I think he could pull that off, deal with some rough issues, still make you laugh, still make you feel, and I think I would like to watch Oh, I, I totally agree. The stuff, the second season of Master of None is one of the best TV seasons I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when they get into... Because, you know, there's a lot of surface stuff and there's the stuff about him being the Cupcake Wars host and all that stuff. But then drop a bomb like that Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. Uh, had all all kinds of stuff. By the way, has become increasingly more common. I don't know who started all this, but you have a a season that has a has either a story arc or it has some loosely connected episodes. But then there's this one out of nowhere that's a self contained episode. Now, you know, none of these series that are out today are the first to do that. Mm -hmm. You know that the the X-Files did stuff like that. And before that, there was probably, you know, a special episode of Bonanza or something. But like, uh, it seems different because it's completely like Stranger Things had that one episode that nobody liked. That nobody liked, but uh, but uh I've seen this now, like in every series, even uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt did it, mm. uh, and it's got a continuous arc all the way through every season, except for this one. I mean, it's it's still part of the arc, but it's, it's completely different in its tone and everything else. Uh, it is kind of weird how they do that, but yeah, Master Nun had that one episode, that Thanksgiving episode, that was incredible. Yeah. God. I, I could watch that all day. Now, that's a series that knows how to use Angela Bass. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Oh, God. That was so good. Um, and Lena Waithe, I think, wrote that. Uh, oh, yeah, that's Antari. right. Yeah. And she's got a nice upward career. Trend. Yeah. Um, th- this is a classic comedian, and he's actually made movies before. But Chris Rock made three movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was like Head of State. One was um, I Think I Love My Wife. Yeah, which uh, is actually pretty good. Did you like that? I liked it all right. It, it, it was him trying to do a Woody Allen-esque story. Yeah. And it was more, you know, straight-laced and dramatic than what he's known for, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't think he, he got there for me on, on that. But I, I appreciate him trying to, to, to reach out. The way that Chris Rock does his stand-up based on uh, racial issues is something that y- you talk about not being able to get away with. He He's grandfathered in, I think, to where sure. he can say shit like Chappelle that other people can't get away with. I'd love to see him do like a Spike Lee type of examination on race mm. in a movie um, where it can be completely, co- it can be comedic at times, certainly do the right thing, had plenty of comedy in mm-hmm. it, um, but where it's dealing with serious issues and see it from his perspective because he's got a unique perspective yeah. on this, especially being now wealthy. You've seen how Dave Chappelle's stand up has changed. Yeah. It's racially based humor, but it's also that he's fucking rich, mm-hmm. and he will remind you of that several times during his thing. I think Chris Rock does that too. And if you if you see this through his perspective, I think uh, it would be really really interesting. Or he could do uh, the Shaka Luther King thing from yeah, Jay yeah. Silent Bob Strange. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I have a question for the mailbag. What mailbag. is 
What is your favorite movie scene that takes place in an elevator? <laughs> this person's personal favorite is from Catching Fire uh, when Johanna Mason strips in the elevator because it's a great way to introduce one of the series' best characters. I don't even remember that scene. Yeah, she comes in and and, and just strips down went right in front of Jennifer Lawrence. and. Oh, I do remember that yeah, scene. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Boy, um, this is, you were talking earlier about the songs, or the, the question that you spent a long time thinking about your answer to. Mm-hmm. This is the one for me. Oh, yeah. I probably, I could have spent six hours thinking about because they're, <laughs> Once you start, once you open the rabbit hole of great elevator <laughs> moments in movies, there's a lot more than you realize. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just keep yeah. Coming, oh, I got to talk about this. Oh, I got to talk about this. I mean, this question should read, what's the best elevator scene in a movie that's not P2? <laughs> <laughs> um, right. That's not a bad movie, actually. No, it's not bad. <laughs> no, the two that I came up with, uh, there's one incredible one in The Usual Suspects. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and... Uh, you hear the commentary from Macquarie and Brian Singer on this. And they were like, this is the, this is when we got this edited together, it was like, I didn't even feel like it was our movie. It was just like, it, you know, we had sort of a, you know, out of body experience watching it because it's so good yeah, to, yeah. The, to even the people who made it. The very beginning scene of speed involves an elevator. Oh yeah. It's very well done. Yeah. That whole movie is well done. Like you, I mean, you think of the bus mostly, obviously, when some people conjure up speed, but the first 20 to 30 minutes of that movie is on an elevator or not 20, but probably about 15, 20 minutes of that movie on an elevator and a bomb, you know, makes the elevator fall and they have to stop it and they have to like, you know, it is a whole bunch of stuff in there. It's so good. Yeah uh so yeah those two movies are or what good call good Good call call. yeah i gotta go with hostage i gotta go with the true lies horse yeah yeah (laughs) i'm a true lies so sorry (laughs) (laughs) sorry i love true lies i think it's about 35 minutes too long and that whole subplot with tricking the wife needs to be axed (laughs) and it's maybe perfect um but especially you can tell either schwarzenegger or james cameron was like no matter what we do with this movie we're going to have a goddamn chase scene involving a horse through downtown. And of course, he ends up having to get on an elevator with this horse and ride it all the way up and say sorry or whatever when yeah. the doors open. And uh, I just, the, the image of him bending down to look through the glass because uh, the elevator's made of glass and he's trying to look out while the elevator's moving and he's on this ginormous. So it's just an image I, I can't not giggle at. So it's got to be that. You really like that movie. I love it. Like, I will. I have more evidence to defend The Last Action Hero, but I will defend True Lies much more passionately. <laughs> oh, I've seen True Lies a million times. Yeah. That's, a, that's a, a fun movie. Um, uh, so like, so like when she asks him, like, uh, you know, have you killed anybody? He's like, yeah, but they were all bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Arnold, so it's like, yeah, but they were all bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know what? One of the most satisfying endings to a movie is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, you could go in any direction. And I haven't read the book, I don't think, ever. If not, it's been forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get through all this stuff, and then Gene Wilder has this starkly dramatic moment where you get nothing, mm-hmm. you know, all that. And where where Charlie is just so distraught and he puts a little uh, little candy on his desk. And then his his whole demeanor changes again. It's really beautiful. Then they get on the Wonka Vader, and the Wonka Vader can go side to side and up and down and crossways and all that stuff. And once it's they like break the St. Louis Arch, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. 
And once they break through that ceiling, man, it's just it's just awesome. It's the complete antithesis of how Charlie and the Chocolate Factory did their Wong Cavader mm-hmm. uh, with Johnny Depp. It was just that's just a mess, especially the ending of that movie. Uh, but this one is just awesome. I mean, I almost went with Die Hard with a Vengeance because I thought I thought like Die Hard was a little too obvious. Yeah. The first one, but in the third one, there's that great scene where he sees his friend's police badge mm-hmm. on the bad guy, and that's how they're in the elevator. Oh, that's, yeah. that's how he knows yeah. this is a setup, and yeah. he literally shoots him blind. Yeah. Uh, in that, see the lottery numbers. Yeah. The lottery. <laughs> I got some runners up because we've got to mention Cabin in the Woods. That oh yeah, that's too that good. elevator Ding. scene. Oh my god! <laughs> and what I love is that it keeps coming. Like and then there's another ding, and the guy with the crazy like saw mm-hmm. face gets up, and then there's another one, and they just keep fucking oh, coming. Oh yeah. Great scene. Um, and I know a lot of people, too, would probably want to bring up Captain America, um, yep. the uh, Winter Soldier. It's a it's a great scene. Yeah. I really like that. In fact, I used that uh, in an outtake for Pacific Rim Uprising. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Where the, does anyone want to get off? That moment is mm-hmm. really fucking yeah. great. Um, and then, of course, The Shining. And then there's yeah. a movie called Devil. Have you ever yeah. seen Devil? It's like mm. it takes some place entirely on an elevator. This is M. Light Shyamalan wrote this and directed it? Oh, he Jesus. Direct it. Um, I've seen this. I thought it, I mean I've, I haven't seen the movie, but I've seen it on the guide. And every time I read the description, it sounds like the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. No, it's, no, it's, it's good. good. Yeah, it's it's like this tense murder mystery essentially. But they slowly realize they're on an elevator with the devil. Right, exactly. But they don't know who it is or who it's possessing or yeah. whatever it is. And you know they're 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 stuck in this elevator, so they can't go anywhere. It's like a, a very self contained like but if play. You're flipping almost. channels and you see devil yeah and you read the description a group of strangers finds slowly realizes they're on an elevator with the devil himself you would pass right by hey, that hey yeah. man i'm not telling you that it sounds good it's <laughs> it's just that give it a chance and I, I will think you might i, like I will it. now that you it's very suspenseful that. it's not like horror it's not scary horror type of stuff it's just it's really cool so is this that was this back before m night directing career then no, no this is after this, this is, is like, after so he this just is, wrote a thing this and is when he's in the middle of like he's done He's done the village at this point. I believe he's done even uh, last, last Airbender, Airbender at yeah. this point. Oh and wow! Then this came out, so that's why he didn't direct. Then I got it. Yeah, they weren't going to give him that job. Yeah, but <laughs> it's, it's a, a really, it's a really like taut, scary. He fun. would make this movie today, though. Mm-hmm. I think he would. Mm-hmm. I think he would. We'll see how Glass does before we just completely bring him yeah. back from the dead. Uh, okay, next one. Which fictional event from a movie would be the biggest news story of all time? This person's pick would be bringing Mick, Mark Watney home back from Mars. Yeah. It would probably be the greatest achievement in human history. Greetings from Wales. I love that example, by the way, mm-hmm. because I think that's why the end of that movie works so well, is that we're set in a near future that feels completely realistic, and it would be people all... It's the one movie where people all over the globe are standing outside looking at giant screens. Mm-hmm. I think that would actually be the case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good example. Yeah. So, to me, this is academic... Um, Meeting aliens or figuring out aliens exist mm. uh, would be, or an apocalypse, obviously, but the apocalypse assumes that we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. Meeting aliens does not suppose that we're all going to die, especially in not a Mars attacks type of way, in a contact type of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the contact was one of the most realistic alien meeting movies I've ever seen and read the book. This was uh, Carl Sagan that wrote it. Uh, who has got this unique ability to kind of like Andy Weir, where where he can translate 
huge concepts to the layman, mm. um, like Neil deGrasse Tyson can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and he put this in this this great story about how it would go about meeting aliens. You know, they have to take use this way station on Vega, and they would have to transmit it via prime numbers and stuff like that. And then they would have to put it in this signal that's audio and that you'd have to translate. And then they got static and noise and all that stuff. That stuff is so fascinating to me. And obviously, you know, the building of the machine is the biggest story in the world. Um, the fact that uh, she goes, and that's where the story falls apart because it had, what was it, 18 hours of footage or yeah, 13 hours of footage, like um, which obviously people would have uh, looked at. But um, yeah, I think that would be the biggest story. And I think that would be the most compelling story and realistic story when yeah. it comes to things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um uh yeah i don't i don't think there's anything that can really top aliens uh <laughs> aside from like half the earth melting and the yeah, other exactly. half like, you know and then uh, the other half denying that it, the other half is uh <laughs> that's true is melting that's correct that's exactly what, that's exactly what would happen what other half of the country yeah, right. well, we're not there it was flat anyway it was flat i mean i don't know what you guys are talking about um i'm gonna go with olympus has fallen <laughs> think about this shit first off uh there's there's an attack on the white house successful kidnapping of the u.s president yes and then some scottish motherfucker comes in and blows away a bunch of bad guys and saves the president that shit would be on the news for like two years yeah 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 that guy's just that guy would he would be able to go anywhere yes. he could go in and get, get get any he could get, get a drink anywhere everybody's going to be buying him drinks and stuff so like uh i just, uh, I just we don't think about the news story after stuff like like this happens you know like they too they do that little like uh epilogue at the end of these movies where it's like well you know some rebuilding's gonna yeah. have to happen and uh you know and they don't even think about how like how impactful that would be plus everybody's dead except for the president right yeah well yeah yeah i think so well, there's a kid in one of them i <laughs> still get these yeah, things fucking too. confused white house down's got the kid okay <laughs> but there might be a kid in that one too <laughs> i just remember one of them no had... this is fallen does have a kid white house down also does but the one of them had a kid who like who was the president's kid who yeah knew was like Aaron the Eckhart's secret kid. passages yeah. And I remember thinking that was the that was the most fascinating, tantalizing idea. Yeah. And that Gerard Butler was going to be popping up randomly using these catacombs. Oh yeah, to yeah, cat yeah, motherfuckers. <laughs> right. And it never goes that oh, way. Oh, that would yeah. He gets into one like one little secret alcove at one point, and nearly gets his ass shot. Yeah. When he does it. Um. But yeah, just imagine those are a lot of uh you know uh, presidential type stories that would be the biggest story ever, like Kingsman, the Golden Circle would oh. have would be would go on forever and ever and ever uh that story so just hyper ridiculous though yeah that, you know they like handcuff the president in the white house which i don't do think they, do? they would do that yeah that's uh, right because he orders the the so bruce greenwood who is of course <laughs> the president uh uh is given a is given a choice by julianne moore to either pay her the money to uh get the serum or whatever right uh or or uh you know and so he decides oh well a bunch of druggies dead that's yeah, great because anytime you ingest a drug you get you get yes, poisoned right right yeah and uh i was i that scenario at the end the handcuffing him in the white house and taking him off and everything i was actually thinking about that i was like man 
there would be a debate as to whether he did anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there would they would definitely not handcuff him in the White House and take him out the day that his secretary of state or whatever is coming out on the mic on the lawn yeah. and talking. They wouldn't be like taking him out right then, you know, stuff like that. But oh, but just imagine if that happened. Yeah, that would be a big story. Yeah, you had all of those like containment facilities too, right? With yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you you would be debating that forever. Like, well, I don't think President Greenwood did anything wrong. I mean, after all, we had a bunch of druggies. President Greenwood. <laughs> oh my god um i gave two answers to this question because i too was uh, accosted with the dilemma of well anything aliens are fantastical related which just trumps anything else you could possibly come up with so i give you two answers fantastical sci-fi mm-hmm. mm-hmm. in which my answer is space gem mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. if aliens came down from earth and kidnapped all of our best basketball players to go f- play a game against monsters for the fate of the universe we would not be able to talk about anything else. Is it for the fate of the universe? I believe so. I it's been since 1996 yeah, since I've seen it. Yeah, it's been since it came out since I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure with well, fate of something. They kidnapped Michael Jordan <laughs> yeah. and 30 of the best players in the world. We would notice that shit. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um but for real realistically and I don't know why this popped into my mind cuz I read this book and I saw this movie once but Absolute Power. Ah, which is a Clint Eastwood joint. Um, <laughs> Clint Eastwood joint, and it opens with Clint Eastwood playing a seventy-something-year-old cat burglar, as you do, uh, and he's broken into the president's vacation house to steal some valuables, as you do, because mm-hmm. Camp David is just—you walk on that shit. Yeah. Um, and the president comes into the bedroom with his mistress in the middle of the heist, and Clint Eastwood has to hide in the cupboard. In the big vanity or whatever. <laughs> and he's watching the president have sex. The president's Gene Hackman, by the way. Oh. But the president likes to have angry sex. Mm-hmm. He likes to have violent sex. Mm-hmm. He likes choking and hitting. That's right. Oh, shit. And accidentally kills the woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like that Rising Sun uh, scene. Yes. In the beginning of Rising Sun. <laughs> um, and so he gets out, but then the spe- Secret Service figure out someone was there and witnessed it. And the rest of the movie is him trying to survive long enough to get the story out there that the president killed his mistress. Mm. And he does. And I just think if if in real life we found out the president had and killed a mistress because a 70-year-old cat burglar witnessed it, I think that would be just about the biggest goddamn story. Yeah. I think that's basically the only thing that would that would stop our current administration. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's the only movie about a president, other than the handcuffing the president, which I hadn't really yeah, remembered. Yeah. It's the only thing I could think of about a president that we kind of already haven't edged closer to, right? <laughs> so, yeah. But anyway, I think that would be bonkers if the president actually murdered someone. Oh, you, dude, if that, if that shit happened in this, in this climate, they'd be like, oh, cat burglar, huh? Yeah. <laughs> What was he even doing there in the yeah, first place? Exactly. Yeah. Like that. He's not even supposed to see that. And by the way, yeah. What the president does in the bedroom is none of my business. Right. Exactly. Hey, y'all. Hey. What music video would you want to make into a full length movie? This person's choice is thriller, and that's wrong. That is a, that's <laughs> it a is wrong, wrong choice. It is correct. It, wrong. Is, it is perfectly paced. As it is, because it's it's a mini movie essentially by John Landis, and it ha- it's about what I think eleven minutes long or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and it has a whole bunch of like, no, this isn't really happening. Yeah, there's a lot of fake outs in this yeah. movie, in in this mini movie, and we've we've hit the limits of Michael Jackson's ability early on 
uh, to act early on in this video. Mm-hmm. And you don't need any more of that. Otherwise, you get I'm Captain I'm not EO. like the other guys. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, if you want to see a good mini movie starring Michael Jackson, it's bad, mm-hmm. uh, because bad has Wesley Snipes in it and it was directed by Martin Scorsese. Mm. Yeah. Martin Scorsese. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And it's, it's a West side story, uh, dance fight basically. Yeah. And, uh, that could be made into a lot of that. That was, that was Michael when he was getting angry and edgy. Well, and equally so weird Al Yankovic's fat could That's be right. turned into a movie. That's right. Well. He's Boy, fat. Weird Al really got a lot of mileage out of Michael Jackson. He, he did. Yes, he did. He, he did. did. <laughs> I mean, he was all over that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that we're going to say Radiohead a couple of times in this. Go for it. But uh, the one that uh, you picked, the probably the best one. But, Sorry. Uh, no, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, Karma Police would also. Uh, that was, I went I back and watched this that. video, and I forgot how compelling it was. Yeah. Like, okay, so this is... there's. At the end of this uh, video, I still have a lot of questions. Me too. Yes. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, yeah, if you're unfamiliar with Karma Police, it starts off with a guy running away from a, a car, and that's basically it. It's one shot, basically. Uh-huh. One shot, running away from a car, and this car is just kind of very slowly tracking him down. <laughs> and the camera will wheel back, and it'll show Tom York in the back seat, just hanging out, singing the song and everything. Uh, but by the end of it, dude who's running turns the tables he's he has he is he's got a little gas uh like uh, line ready to put a flame to it and everything yeah. and he sets flame to the car and there's flames everywhere but tom york mysteriously gone yep by the time it's over mm-hmm. so i gotta know i've gotta know who this dude is is he good or bad <laughs> is tom york good or bad what's the why why did this whole thing start with them in the middle of the street yeah 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 exactly and why is he doing the prometheus school of running away right exactly why doesn't why doesn't doesn't he get on the grass (laughs) i think you could argue the reason he does the prometheus school of running away from things is that he is leaving the trail of gas because i think what happens is he lights it and the car backs away yeah 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 yeah, the fire sort of chases the car yeah slowly too but man it takes him four minutes to light that fucking (laughs) it sure does and uh, now this might end up sounding jokey as like a movie or anything, but I think if you were to actually figure out the scenario mm-hmm. and maybe just take away some of the fantastical elements of it and everything <laughs> and actually bring a story to this, it might be pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, you know all the stuff, because I think you're, you're going to say just, right? Um, along with another one I just thought of. All the stuff that Radiohead did on, uh, Paran- or not Paranoid Andrew. The Benz. OK Computer. Uh, cause oh. this, this oh, was yeah. on OK Computer. Well, yeah, the just was on the Benz. Right, right, right. Yeah. Everything that they did for OK Computer video wise is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paranoid Android was that great animation. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, No Surprises video. Did you ever see that? Where Tom York, it's just his face. And it's filling up with water. Oh, and, no, I didn't see that. And it goes this. up all the way where he's completely underwater and singing. And then it slowly recedes. No, at I didn't the end. see that. Wow. And that whole, that song is, is just brilliant. That song's amazing. Well, and then um, uh, High and Dry off of the Benz, too, actually has a pretty good, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, intriguing video, too. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot of, like, stuff, like, crime going on in that, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, they were, like, they were, like, they had some some crazy videos back then like they're all little puzzle boxes yeah yeah it's fantastic i love it um i also i almost went with take on me 
um, by that's Aha. a really yeah, yeah that would be too because super I think interesting you could expand that pretty easily if you did kind of like a jumanji welcome to the jungle kind of getting sucked into a comic and it's this illustrated world and you have to try and have an adventure to get back out i think that would make an excellent movie more so than what i'm about to say they made it jeremy it was called cool world (laughs) (laughs) i forgot about brad pitt was like i need my jessica rabbit movie yes (laughs) um but i'm gonna go with radiohead's just uh oh yeah this is one that i i probably should have watched after writing it down as my response so i could speak more uh accurately about it to my recollection there are people laying on the ground seemingly haven't given up on life and the people who are standing don't know why and it's just asking. one person but you're, you're it's right just one yeah, person yeah. and he asks and then they whisper it to him and the last shot is he is also now lying on the ground yeah. as though he's completely <laughs> well, they up. keep telling him don't ask yeah. why and uh you don't want to hear the answer and yeah all he, that. he just says leave me alone yeah you know i'm just and, and it's all in text yeah it is <clears throat> during the the song playing over that would be interesting to do an entire movie like that where there's just music playing and it's subtitled and you can't actually hear the dialogue maybe i think that would probably be brutal to watch i just like the idea of some I don't know, something about that it seems so harmless mm-hmm. like the kids on the steps and the nice guys protesting the air it's just people <laughs> laying on the ground and then suddenly whatever they told what did they tell him what did they say yeah i want to know and i want to make a movie out of that yeah oh, it's it's so brilliantly done yeah i love that shit um i mentioned uh bad that would be a great one but uh what i would love is to see madonna's like a prayer video turned into a god movie. that is mm. some insane shit because we forget about before she actually gets into the chapel with black jesus and everything mm-hmm. we have this weird thing where she's being chased and she has to hide behind a rock and all that oh she sees somebody she sees get murder. stabbed yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and so she she goes into this church for sanctuary basically and then she has this weird fantastical trip where mm-hmm. she's she actually ends up having sex with the jesus with character. black jesus yeah, yeah. uh so it's it's crazy also, Madonna's a really decent actress, or she was a really decent actress at, she at can one be, point. Yeah. Um, she was good. Decent needs a modifier. Well, I mean, she was <laughs> she was really good in Evita. Uh, she was adorable and stuff like Who's That Girl and Desperately Seeking Susan. She was fine in Dick Tracy. She's good in the baseball movie. She's good in the baseball movie. Hmm. Um, it's also it was directed by Mary Lambert, who directed the video, uh, directed two Pet Cemetery movies. <laughs> wow, that makes sense now. And a TV movie called My Stepson, My Lover. Oh, oh my God. Yes. How, how, now, Jeremy, you've definitely seen that movie. I have to have seen that movie. <laughs> my Stepson, My Lover? Yeah. I was watching this movie the other day. Sequel with, to My Father, the Hero. With Alice, <laughs> with Alice Krieg in it. Oh, yeah. I remember Alice Krieg. <laughs> and it's like some horror movie where she and her son are aliens and they fuck each other and they've just come to town because they kill young girls for their blood and that's oh. how they stay alive okay didn't was but it? it opens with son and mom fucking was each this other. Uh, Hi, lifetime mom, i love you and they fuck no it looks like something mystery science theater would have gotten their hands <laughs> i was surprised there was a name i recognized in it um, wasn't alice krieg the borg queen yes yeah, yeah that's all that's where she came to prominence for me yeah but she had apparently had a respectable career up until then mm-hmm. <laughs> except uh, for this movie starting with this movie that may be called my son my love my stepson my lover yeah. i don't know what it's well, called then, yeah, yeah then you have movies like spanking the monkey which is <laughs> is uh 
his uh what is his name jeremy davies. jeremy davies yeah <laughs> having sex with his mom jesus christ yeah oh do we want to do one more let's do one more okay let's see is that all right yeah <laughs> you think we should do one more i think we should do one i think more. we should do one more <laughs> i'll tell you what i like this one because i like my answer i hope you guys are <laughs> great <laughs> what are some of the best movies that you expected to hate watch but caught you off guard with how good they were this person's example is neighbors hmm. which we oh. talked about a little bit hmm. Uh, I didn't expect that movie to to not be good, but I liked it. I thought yeah. it was a funny movie. Not the second one, but the first yeah. one was good. Uh, you know, I wrote down one thing. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned Tootsie before. Oh, yeah. Tootsie, I thought, was just going to be very, you know, I, like I said, I've seen Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to see Tootsie. You know, Tootsie's got a lot more to say, I think, even though Mrs. Doubtfire has its has its moments, too. Uh, it was another one that I I thought of during this, though. I didn't expect to like Amadeus as much as I as, hmm. as I did. The first viewing or a recent viewing? The very first viewing. Yeah. Uh, and my first viewing was not long ago. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, you're talking about years, like a few years ago was the first time I saw Amadeus. I always filtered that in my head as stuffy period drama, <laughs> uh, you know, and because it, it's exactly what it looks like on its face. Uh, when you watch it, you realize how funny it is and how and how everybody's so good and the story is so good um so yeah i was expecting amadeus to be like eh, i don't know i'm trying to think of a, a comparable period drama that would be like because i was about to say dangerous liaisons but that's a good movie too yeah so. age of innocence yeah age of innocence or something like that yeah, there you go and, you know just something <laughs> that's just you know it's like oh costumes great yeah it's kind of it. yeah it's yeah. kind of got that reputation because you, you imagine seeing the poster and any of the stills are just like the big opulent balls and stuff like that mm-hmm. but yeah tom hulse is fucking hilarious oh, in he's this so movie. funny like that's the thing like i did not expect it to be that funny <laughs> yeah. of a movie yeah. i didn't think i thought it was going to be just a stuffy fucking picture and it's not he's vibrant in that movie he's full of life and he's ebullient and yeah he's he's drunk half the time but mm-hmm. he's also like just fucking around with everybody yeah man, because he knows he's this much better and that infectious <laughs> <laughs> laugh um but uh yeah that was one that uh that i i thought of uh when you were reading that question so yeah cool oh wreck it ralph mm. oh you didn't expect to like this i actually expected to hate it oh. uh because the first trailer overemphasized the video game cameos like Qbert mm-hmm. and uh, the jokes that on a glimpse in the trailer look tired and stale like self-help group riffing mm-hmm. with the villain mm-hmm. from the video game that ends up being funnier in the movie than the trailer suggested. So the trailer sold me this wink, wink, nod at all the video games you've ever played. He's crossing into this game and that game. I didn't expect, because ultimately Wreck-It Ralph spends most of its time in Candy Crush or what can, Candy Rush, Candy Cruise. It's Sugar Rush Sugar or something Rush, like that. Sugar, yeah. the, the racing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it spends at least two-thirds of the movie there, whereas the trailer kind of suggests he might go through seven or eight different video games. And so I just was kind of like, trying a little too hard. Then I watched the movie and it's pure fucking magic, which is one of, one of the reasons I love movies is that you can still to this day you can still be dead wrong going in mission impossible could technically have still been a turd until i watched it even though i was sure it was going to be awesome <laughs> uh and you know the only hope i have for the second racket ralph movie is because the second trailer is just awful yeah but i hated the first one's trailer yeah and i love the first movie so maybe the movie has more than the mm, trailer there is some uneasiness offer. about this sequel it's got they literally have lands in the internet for all the shit disney's bought lately 
that they like they pull in and yeah. there's like the Muppets sitting right next to Marvel, sitting right next to Star Wars, and I'm just like mm-hmm. marketing yeah. the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. yeah. Here's yeah. what we just bought. Uh and they're starting their own streaming service. I've heard a couple rumbles that the movie is going to talk about the Disney streaming service that mm. they're about to in launch. the movie? But I've heard uh... some rumbles. <laughs> again that would annoy the crap out of me <laughs> and i wonder now are they going back for quote-unquote cgi reshoots to add fox mm. to have a simpsons land in there <laughs> yeah too? Huh? definitely jesus christ uh, i had this uh there's this great uh outtake in one of the music video sends because there's a uh, maroon five just has their uh the girls like you you know this this song girls like you Don't i did yeah, 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 like, yeah. turn the channel uh now. well me too we just had to do it for the the channel but it, what it what it does is it goes around uh, Adam Levine, and it it has these cameos from these super famous women, like oh. Camila Cabello is in there. Is there's a ton of women in there? Yeah, everyone. Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot, is in there. yeah. Um, but the first one is uh, Sarah Silverman, huh. and so when when it comes back around, she says something to Adam Levine, and I put the audio in there of uh, her and Wrecker Ralph going, "Are you a hobo?" <laughs> <laughs> That's a long way to get to that joke. That was good. I liked it. I've got an entire series, an entire TV series that I expected to hate watch and ended up loving it. So back in 1999, 2000, I was dating a girl that was really into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. And I, all I knew was that it was a stupid movie that I watched. I ended up going back and, and really like it now. Uh, but, I, you know, I go hang out in her in her room and all that stuff, and she'd be watching Buffy the Vampire mm-hmm. Slayer. She got one of my best friends into Buffy the Vampire Slayer, too. So I'm like, fuck, all right, fine, I'll watch it. It's stupid. Whoa, hold on. All right, I guess I like this this episode. That was pretty funny. That was pretty clever. I really like this one, too. All right. And then I got to where I'd seen all of them and caught up, and I was, like, super anxious to get to the next one yeah. this is while it was still airing that show was so fucking man, great man it it gets to like a lot of shows it only has i think one or two seasons where literally all cylinders are firing like season three maybe is when yeah. everybody's just humming um and you know the later years when we get into the spike stuff is a little less interesting to me and the yeah. first years it's still finding its footing a little bit but god i love that show mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons i'm so adamantly opposed to bringing it back in any form which they're doing yeah yeah, I mean, it, there's enough story in there because you know that when she dies, that there's going to be a replacement and all that stuff, and then there ends up being another like Slayer from Jamaica or something like yeah, that. I'm slayers gonna, from all over the place by the end of there's it. There's Slayers all over the place. She's so there's like rallying them all together, like like a t- like a team of Cub Scouts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they get the potential Slayers and all that. I just, stuff. I just don't. I mean. <clears throat> It's just I'd still rather see all the money and talent used to create something that I haven't seen before. Because at best, you're going to be as good as the original. Yeah. Yeah. I doubt you're going to create something better. Yeah. And the original just had everybody. You talk about everybody working together, like Allison Hannigan and even the the Tara character and the shit that she does after she dies and all that stuff. Seth Green is fucking awesome. Seth Green was terrific. That's my favorite Seth Green. He pops up for three minutes an episode, says the funniest shit you've ever heard, (laughs) and then disappears. (laughs) I still haven't finished this series. I saw three or four seasons, mainly because of uh, Josh, who oh, had, yeah. the, Josh had, the, had the DVDs, and uh, I was borrowing them. And I would, you know, I'd rip through a season, and I ripped through like to to the fourth season, and somewhere in the fourth or maybe I don't know, somewhere around that season, I I, I don't he, he either didn't have the fifth season, and I didn't, you know. I, I, I don't know. It was just one of those things where it just stopped. Yeah. So I haven't seen anything since that that binge fest there. 
Uh, how is it past season four? Oh, I think it's great. The it's great. season five. Uh, did you see the end of season four? The graduation um, monsters. No, that was that was three. That was three. Four was the Riley uh, one because five was the Glory one. Oh yeah, so four I'm not was the Mark sure Luther that season. I did. Season four might be the it might be an iffy one. Oh, that's okay. the one with Adam, like yeah. the bionic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah season five sad. is good with with Glory, who's an actual god. She's she, actually really great. That actress is super yeah. funny. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and then season six is more about Willow, but and well, then season and seven get, is about all the trains. Season six is when we get Dawn. Uh, and the, the Troika. Sudden Sister. But we also get the musical episode, which mm-hmm. is fucking genius. And um, Hush is in season five, I believe. I don't remember. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely worth mm-hmm. watching the rest of that, it. Was, was it around that time they started doing Angel and all that, too? Yep. Yeah, because I think it was after season four, right around season four of Buffy. No, because that's why they brought in Riley. Because right. Season four Angel is when had, Boreanaz left to do uh, yeah, that, Angel. Yeah, yeah, and Angel had four or five seasons mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's what it was yeah well uh or is that is that gonna be it that's gonna be it man we burned through some questions we still have more we still have <laughs> we still have plenty um but uh yeah we just went two hours through what 10 questions <laughs> pretty much something like that keep them coming though yeah keep them coming we'll try to answer as many as we can uh but uh yeah and you can go to stuff like uh the sincast presented by cinema sins on facebook and ask questions and stuff like that you can go to soundcloud mm-hmm. you can go to twitter there mm-hmm. are a lot of places that you can come and, and find us and ask questions that's and right and we might be able to get to it at some point <laughs> obviously no promises well we are collecting them if we don't answer them right away we do keep yeah a, keep we have a, a pile yes. we have a pile um but that'll do it for this week it's chris atkins and jeremy scott and barrett share we'll see you next time thanks for listening Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I also just read that the, the guy at Husk, Sean, whatever. Sean Brock. Uh yeah, has the he he was part of a restaurant organization in North Carolina, South Carolina, mm-hmm. um and there's a husk there and in Savannah mm-hmm. and and um, a handful of other restaurants, a Mexican chain or something, and he has left that company, mm-hmm. but he's going to keep his role in all four husks as main chef or whatever. But he's quitting that other company to focus on starting or to focus on Nashville restaurant endeavors. Ooh. So that Down guy, a James Beard Award winner, is going to start some new restaurants in Nashville. Have you been to Husk? You've been to Husk. I've right? been to Husk. Is it good? I, I, actually, I've been to Husk three times, but they were all before the fire. I imagine it's oh, just right. as good yeah, after. Yeah. God, I went there one day and on the menu was uh, an appetizer called Chicken Skins. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Yeah. That was a life changer right there. <laughs> it's the greatest. So on my way back uh, from Alabama yesterday, uh, I, I was, for whatever reason, I was just listening to local radio stations and just like flipping around for like eight hours straight. Because you hate yourself. That's why. Yeah. Well, I was in the van. The van didn't have any like- Alabama's the fucking worst. No serious. Shit. And it didn't have like uh, one of those things where I could hook up Every the other channel is a is like Robert Duvall preaching. Yeah. Yeah. It, totally it is. is. <laughs> and you get those real fire and fury ones too, man. The Apostle EF. Oh man, yeah. especially cuz I was listening to NPR a lot and like on the lower end of the FM dial, like all that shit is manic 
pe- preachers just oh, like man, I bet. getting in there and be like, and the Lord spake, yeah, and shit went down. Oh yeah, <laughs> but but oh, I yeah, also put some swears in it. That's how bad. <laughs> God is fucking angry. <laughs> But I also heard for the first time there's a radio edit of Kendrick Lamar's Humble. Mm-hmm. Oh, and now when I think about Humble, I don't really think about like a bunch of like profanity or shit in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently there's enough of that and the N word and stuff like that oh, to yeah. where the radio edit is just like be humble. It also yeah. Uh, and they didn't even have the bitch because it's like hold up bitch hold yeah up, hold. that's the other thing is they the, it depends also on how strict they are this one was strict and, as shit, uh, because when i got that album like the first week it came out or whatever and listened to it and then i started seeing the videos and i was like holy shit they just cut oh so i can imagine the videos yeah. yeah on mtv yeah because there's a whole point where he's like he's like <laughs> just his mouth is moving <laughs> you know a weird one is that oh, i can't believe i'm gonna derail this 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 quickly but that nile haran song um too much to ask mm-hmm. like regular radio plays that that line in the second verse uh don't it seem messed up we're not in love but if you catch it on the right satellite station the actual lyric is fucked up so oh, it's yeah. this pretty boy from whatever the boy band was he was in One Direction. Yeah, yeah. And he's this is a love song, and in the middle of it, he drops this f bomb. <laughs> Don't it seem fucked up? We're not in love. And I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you even do that? There's also in the uh, God, what was the the uh, the Joe Jonas group that did um, Cake by the Ocean? DNCE. Oh, yeah. DNCE, and that is in like every fucking kids movie. Because they're like, let's lose our mind and go crazy, crazy. But the actual lyric is, let's go fucking crazy. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Did you ever hear a song that they edited so well that it sounded like that's how they meant to do it? So you you hear that version forever, and then you finally hear the real version? Man, I'm not- I heard it on the way back, actually. It's uh, Jay-Z's Can I Get a What What? Yes, that's one. Yeah. That's one of them. <laughs> wow, Chris just almost came out of his chair. No, that's one of them. I like it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Can I Get a Fuck You? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. There's another one. Uh, it's that whatever blah, blah, blah all-star song that's like, I said hallelujah, and get oh. on your knees, you know, and they do all that like weird electronic shit. Oh, uh, yeah, what and is it's that? Like, get down on your motherfucking knees. He says motherfucking fucking that oh, song God, about a hundred. What is the name of that song? <laughs> this is a badass this song. is this is the song that accompanies the play it to the bone trailer oh yeah it's on the play it to the bone trailer and they have that song going on this song was the fucking jam man back in the 90s <laughs> get down on your motherfucking knees but they but in the edited version it's yeah. like it, he they do this weird like yeah. you know like and i thought that was the way they did it yeah because it's it a sounds cool awesome yeah. yeah but then finally yes <laughs> i didn't even know it was edited i i heard the unedited version and i was like damn then they say fuck a lot of this yeah, yeah i don't know if it's sometimes you just get that first listen by it bias mm-hmm. that's the way it is with you know when you hear covers and mm-hmm. you realize mm-hmm. there's a an older version yeah a lot of times it's harder to say that older version's better because you know stuff like Guns and Roses, Live and Let Die, and all that. You know, yeah. I heard that song forever before I even knew Wings did one, mm-hmm. and I didn't even know it was the James Bond theme because <laughs> I wasn't into that shit. 
And uh, and then you hear the Wings version, like, yeah, I kind of like that. Although the Wings version has grown on me over the years. Had uh, you heard Knocking on Heaven's Door, the original, before they did it? Oh, uh, Jesus. I don't think so. <laughs> it's almost unbearable for me. The Dylan version? Yeah. Really? I love Dylan. But uh, yeah, well, it's, it's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. It's that I was so exposed to the other version for years. I didn't even probably know there was an earlier version for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when I hear it, I'm just like, it's so slow yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like knock knock knocking <laughs> on yeah. it's not actual man he had those uh i watched a lot of their like concert footage and they had these uh the backup dancers that and singers that were never featured on anything like it, they were just eye candy basically just kind of dancing around oh, yeah. and then they did that they had their shining moment of like knock 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 <laughs> And Axel's like pointing back to him, like, yeah, they're here for a reason. That's right. <laughs> Come, Wendy, let's jump the hilly brush. <laughs> hey, so I saw Baby Driver for the first time last uh, oh, couple days ago. What'd you think? I liked it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I agree. That's really almost all I have to say. Is the It's a tale of two halves for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really. It's great for the first 45 minutes. And then like once once Jamie Foxx says, let's go to the diner. I'm, I'm I, uh, it's, OK, so the diner really fucking pissed me off mm -hmm. because that's a big ass. They're like in Atlanta, right? Mm hmm. And they just happen to be at the diner she works yeah, at. Exactly. Believe me, we when send she's the shit on, out of yeah, when she's on shift too. When she's on shift, when as the movie has shown, she's been there in the morning yeah. or day yeah. all the time. Yeah, but <laughs> she happens like to be midnight. there. And then he walks in, and she instinctively knows not to say a fucking word <laughs> to him when he walks in the diner. Like not even to say, "Hey, how's it going?" She like it's not like they. He's told her what he does. No, yeah, no. It's not like, hey, if I walk in with a bunch of bad-looking people, don't talk to me, because they will fuck you up. 